Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, and in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of February, and we are smack in the middle of our Guilty Pleasures event month. Uh, Basically, you know what that means. Basically, we're taking a look at movies that both Kyle and I... um, really love on certain levels but maybe can acknowledge are objectively not the best <laughs> um so this week kyle got to pick the movie or actually i know <laughs> sorry we're we're talking ahead of ahead of the recording about next week and mm-hmm. um you guys aren't aware of this but pretty much this entire month has been put together solely as an excuse for us to do the the final episode of the yeah. month Basically, we've been doing like a three-week build to like this one big thing. Uh, yeah. So I've, clearly, I have that on my mind. But yeah, I got to pick the episode for this month, and um, I selected Robert Zemeckis' 2012 film Flight. Um, this is kind of a weird pick uh, for me or anyone, really. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of a... This, this is like the definition of a movie that maybe flew under the radar. It really didn't make a whole lot of waves, as far as I know, except for... Uh, Denzel getting nominated for Best Actor the year it came out. It was the same um, year as The Dark Knight Rises, isn't it? 2012? I think that was 11. Uh, Dark Knight, that is. Uh, um, no, that was, it was 12 because I, I was living in Burke Street, Seattle, and we walked over to the theater, and I got out of the military in 2012. I believe it was 2012. Gotcha. It's a big year for movies. I mean, it was the yeah. year of the apocalypse, and uh, yeah. the prevailing theory was that all the studios were just like blowing their wad. Just every big, huge project that they could put out. It's like, let's get out before, you know, the the Mayan calendar or whatever dooms us all. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, this is a weird pick for me or anyone, anyone really. Uh, Because like I said, this is not a huge high profile movie. Um, I almost never hear it brought up in conversation, uh, even in conversations regarding Robert Zemeckis, um, who happens to be a director that I really like. Um, Do you have much of a background with him, Kyle? I'm a huge background with him, and I don't really care for him. Uh, I went through his filmography. I've seen a lot of his movies, most of his movies, I, or like most of his big ones. Um, I remember re- liking *Romancing the Stone*. I'd have to go back and watch it. Um, I love *Who Framed Roger Rabbit*. I watched the hell out of that movie. Um, I kind of liked the first *Back to the Future*, but uh, as I get older, I revisited it not too long ago. I'm like, eh, this is this is fine. Um, Forrest Gump Contact What Lies Beneath I liked at the time I don't think it holds up now but his best movie I think is Cast Away I I mean Back to the Future is usually like the go-to for most people yeah most Um, people I I really enjoy Cast Away Um, I even kind of I again I have a very similar relationship to to Beowulf as I do Flight it's like Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge Beowulf is not good Mm -hmm. Um, but when it came out it just so happened that I was in a class that required me to read Beowulf and it was like mm. perfect timing. And I saw the movie and you know it's it's a weird movie because the tone is all over the place. Um very much like this movie, sometimes it's a little uh goofier and more entertaining than it should be. Yeah. Um but uh that kind of I was already into motion capture and performance capture as a as a technology, but that was like one of the big ones that really really put it center stage and really tried to push the limits of what could be done with it. Um, it looks a little silly coming back to because it's from like 2006. 
hey dog burps <laughs> um <laughs> um and we've come a long way since then um i did not see the polar express which i heard has like really seriously bad uncanny valley syndrome mm-hmm. where it's like oof uh these faces just just look wrong <laughs> although i kind of respect the novelty of having tom hanks play essentially every character in the movie i thought that was kind of a clever idea i would rather but, you him know, do like the clumps or like uh like the nutty professor where we put him in fat suits and put him all kinds of different makeup like cloud how, atlas how did we not do that with, with how tom did hanks? we not how did we not get tom hanks in a fat suit because um, he made like forty million dollars on Forrest Gump, and he never had to do anything he didn't want to do after that. Well, well, see, that's another Zemeckis film, mm-hmm. and I I happen to really like Forrest Gump a lot. Um, I don't know his movies. Like part of it's funny because Flight is actually not an example of it, but like a a through line through a lot of his filmography is um, the use of technology. Um, mm-hmm. He's a really He's really big into like pioneering new new technologies and uh, using using said technologies in such a way as to better tell the story. Like Forrest Gump, for instance, like all the insertion of him into his historical you know documents and whatnot. Uh, a lot of stuff like that, like that was un- unheard of at the time. And mm-hmm. you know, Back to the Future Two, telling a movie within a movie using really complicated green screens and recreations of scenes. That was really impressive and who framed roger rabbit for fucking sure that's like that's that's that was unbelievable (laughs) for any time really when you really look into how they did some of that shit um but yeah surprisingly enough flight is not one of those movies um did you see allied Uh uh-uh uh it's not very good (laughs) i feel like robert zemeckis is in in a bad slump to be honest um i heard welcome to marwin is terrible oh Um, yeah i actually heard like worst of the year kind of rumblings at some point uh yeah it's it got a lot of negative feedback <laughs> yeah I, I was really sad to hear that because I, I remember seeing the early promotion for it and i've i've uh i've not seen it but um there is a documentary about the gentleman that it's actually about um that's probably probably better to watch than the movie but probably um, yeah i was kind of curious about it it seemed like an interesting concept, and then I he- I heard Robert Zemeckis' name, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. And then all the reviews started coming in, and oh my god, <laughs> like some of the worst I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, flight. Uh, I'll I'll take a page out of your book, Kyle. I, I should give a plot summary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's tell the people what it's about. Yeah, tell the people. Uh, so flight is about a uh, alcoholic pilot. Denzel Washington, um, who encounters an extraordinary circumstance involving a plane crash. Spoiler alert. Um, And then the remainder of the film is him uh, grappling with the fallout of that situation, uh, emotional, physical, and otherwise. Uh, Merry mishaps ensue. It's not the best plot summary I could give. Um, It's actually a little bit more exciting than I'm making it sound. Uh, Well, it takes an hour and 55 minutes to get to the point of like the the climax of the film like what's going to happen in the trial i check the time it's an hour and 55 minutes in and the crash happens within 20 minutes of the i mean less than 20 minutes of the film so we have like an hour and a half of just well i would argue that um and yet, i mean you're not wrong there is a lot of in this movie um <laughs> but i would argue that uh 
there is a case for the the title of the movie being a dual meaning mm-hmm. it's like not only is it the physical act of flying it's also like emotional flight like mm-hmm. running away from things yeah and that's a, that's essentially denzel's characters he's continually running away from a lot of serious fucking problems um some of which end up being hilarious problems <laughs> um from time to time unintentionally oh. so probably <laughs> so um trevor isn't a drinker uh he, he's, he hasn't he's not really uh one to drink at all um at all um i don't really drink much anymore but i definitely had a good run uh in the navy and you know college subsequently uh where i i drank quite a bit um not to the point where i had to go to aa or anything like that i just you know being in your early 20s just having fun um so i'm going to speak to some of the substance abuse that happens in here because i've definitely rubbed shoulders with people like this uh i'm sure you have people in your life too that you you've seen like this as well uh yeah yeah (laughs) but what um one of the things about the can we? You just want to start because I have a problem with the very first scene because I don't under, sure. I don't understand let's, what, let's, what's let's going on. Let's get right to it. Um, we we did yeah. the preface. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, opening shots of the movie. Um, by the way, the score is by Alan Silvestri, who is a longtime collaborator with a uh, Mr. Zemeckis, one of one of the better composers in American film history or modern American film history, if you ask me. Gave us the theme of the Predator and Back to the Future. And uh, and the Avengers. <laughs> so, yeah, he's made a contribution. Um, anyway, uh, he has a lovely piano melody that pops up from time to time in this movie. Um, he's our introduction to the whole movie. Uh, and then we get some shots of a airport in the very early morning. Looks kind of cool. Uh, I want to say that this is an example of Robert Zemeckis doing something that he became kind of obsessed with after Forrest Gump. Um, in Forrest Gump... I think that was the first time he, uh, <clears throat> it was either Forrest Gump or Castaway. I forget which exactly, but, um, one of those movies he started like, uh, CGI painting over the sky in a lot of his movies, hmm. uh, to create like emotional intensity. So he'd like doctor the sky in his movies just to like create a mood, I guess. And I want to hmm. say they did that here. Um, but yeah, we're in a hotel and it is 7 a.m. Um, and, we're getting phone calls and an alarm clock going off at the same time, and bam, uh, that is a nude woman. <laughs> that is a fully frontal nude woman. Yeah. Uh, she's perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, I forget her, the actress's name, but she plays uh, Ruxin's wife on The League. Uh, oh. Not a great, not a great show. Um, but yeah, this was the problem I had with... Um, one of the, one of the things with the movie is with addiction, part of it, uh, especially with alcoholism, is genetic which we don't really touch on at all with the characters who are struggling with substance abuse. Um, the other part is trauma, um, which we do touch on with Nicole, but we don't really learn about the traumatic events in Denzel. We don't, like, we're not seeing a genetic predisposition or what caused him to go off the rails, and it doesn't, it's not really discussed either, which I, was, I feel like they kind of missed the point there. I'm like, well, why? Why was he acting like this? It was just like, I had to stop, you know? I had, I had to get into AA. I had to just, or I had to, I had to just stop, you know? And it took something this bad for me to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. It feels like it's for a, like we, I joked off the air. I'm like, this is a boomer movie, but it's, it's targeted. It's targeted towards a certain audience. No, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, funny enough, I 
don't really fit into that audience category yet for some reason i have watched this movie like <laughs> probably five times now I, oh, I don't know what it is about it it just has like a i think it has to do with the editing style um mm. and I'll, I'll touch on that as we go along there's there's a lot of uh, edits that kind of reminded me of the departed in some ways mm-hmm. where it's we we get as much information as we need and then we hurry we hurry the fuck up and get out of there mm-hmm. and it's done way better in The Departed, and I really love the editing of that movie. It's some of the best I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we get this naked lady. Why is uh, she that... naked for so long? I'm like, okay, she's still naked. See, I knew you would take offense to that. Um, I, I mean, I don't I'm have a problem with it anymore. I'm just, I don't. I don't have a problem with it because it feels it. The camera does linger on her a little bit, but it's also a 7 a.m. wake up call, and we're both hung over and it's like you know this is what those mornings look like i'd imagine where it's like you're not like in a hurry to like oh i need my pants right away <laughs> it's like no it's like uh, and to his credit denzel allowed himself to look like shit in this movie <laughs> yeah i think he, put on weight. <laughs> he did he did not firm up before this he did not knock out some push-ups before this scene <laughs> no he, i read that he on imdb that he put on weight to get like the bloated boozy body and he, oh my God, his drunk face in this movie is mm. remarkable. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I've I've been hungover and late late for something before, and I'm like, I'm rushing, I'm running, like I've got my pants on while I'm grabbing something else to get out the door. Um, I really feel like they just showed her naked for a long time. So spoiler alert, it's I'm like, oh, isn't it terrible? He killed a hot chick. Like he killed a really I mean, really hot chick. I mean, look at the news, Kyle. Like, who who does the news freak out more about than <laughs> it's yeah. like hot chick or frumpy person, yeah. <laughs> frumpy guy? <laughs> it's like no, a hot chick's gonna get all the coverage. Of course, <laughs> it's it's science. Um, but yeah, uh, Denzel gets a phone call, and we get this interesting sequence where the camera's kind of floating around the room. He's still in bed. Uh, this naked woman uh, named Trina, she's just kind of like slinking about the room slowly getting dressed in, in the background although they do make sure to keep her in the frame <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little longer than is appropriate um and while denzel is on the phone he's like finishing a beer again uh, at 7 a.m hair of the dog hair of the dog uh <laughs> and uh i i really did like um upon like having re- rewatched this movie like a fifth time i did notice that like one of the very first lines he has in this movie is a lie um, and that sets a precedent for his character that carries on through the in- entirety of the story. Um, where he's having an intense conversation with someone that's, uh, it basically they're it's his ex-wife um, yelling at him about uh, getting him a tu- getting her a tuition check. Um, but yeah, he lies to her like immediately about like, oh yeah, I've been awake since the crack of dawn. And I did, I did love that he looks at the woman's butt as he says that. <laughs> I was like, ah, crack. Yeah. <laughs> like that. I don't know if that was improvised, but the timing on that was kind of perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, so immediately we established that it's like, okay, he, he tells white lies from time to time. Maybe uh, not so white lies sometimes too. Um, and I think Trina is smoking pot and uh, she like hands it off to Denzel, but he starts off smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also mentions that he hasn't eaten. Uh, he says something along the lines of like, "Oh, I probably should have eaten something." It's like, "Oh man, that's a lot of that's a lot of open bottles." <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not the best way to go to sleep and 
you know, get a restful sleep. He um, didn't sleep. <laughs> no, I don't think any sleeping was done in that room. No. Uh, how did you feel about the snort cam, Kyle? <laughs> the what? The snort cam. I think it was we better get... in casino. <laughs> well, everything's better in casino. <laughs> how dare you compare this movie to casino? You're, that's that's punching down, Kyle. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like this camera shot because basically it turns handheld out of nowhere. And it's just this like it's just this raggedy zoom. It's not a mechanical zoom. They just like muscle the camera in, up into his face as he snorts a line of coke. Um, and I guess this is how he uh, straightens up and wakes out. Wakes up in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and we get uh, Joe Cocker's feeling all right. And it's a perhaps unintentionally comical moment. I got a laugh out of it. Not sure if I was supposed to. Um, but yeah, we're headed to the airport, and he's in his poncho with his pilot's cap. So we learn, oh shit, he's a pilot. Oh shit, he's reporting for duty. <laughs> um, and he runs through the rain through the airport and he arrives like as the passengers are boarding his plane yeah is that normal kyle no <laughs> like, i've never seen anytime i get on the plane there are two I've pilots never... in the front yeah yeah no I've, I've never seen a pilot arrive at the plane <laughs> that you would got... make me very nervous it will now now that i've seen this movie i'm like well i'm gonna need you to take a breathalyzer before you get in the cockpit <laughs> well I'm, i can't remember all the details but i do remember um sometime around the time this movie came out there there was there was talk of like what it's like to be a commercial airline pilot and i guess i guess maybe not the drug use but the schedule is kind of hectic like this i can believe it's like where it's like you're just like bouncing from plane to plane to plane to plane and uh it does create a a problem sometimes for like maintaining a clear head (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and also apparently they're not paid as well as you might expect oh really yeah Hmm. uh I forget. It was a documentary I watched, but it was actually just a small part of a documentary I saw, uh, where there was a lady pilot who was talking about how how it's not very glamorous, to be honest. <laughs> and she had a side gig on top of being a pilot. Um, but yeah, uh, as soon as he arrives at the plane, um, we see Trina, who is now like made up, and she is in her flight attendant's uniform. So she works on the same plane that he's going to be flying. Um, I did like that the camera just kind of like. It doesn't even like do a nod to her. She's just kind of in the frame, and then they just kind of like give each other a nod. It's like, oh, I recognize her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hey, I saw you naked. <laughs> it's like, um, and then uh, we meet Margaret, who I don't remember this actress's name, but I've seen her in other things, and she's the always the Devil's good. Advocate is the one. Yeah, that yeah, yeah that's it. From. Yeah, she was the Devil Lady. <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Yeah, she was the like the housemate, right? Mm, she was one of the friends. Yeah, I think. She's the one that's like distracting um, Charlotte so she can hook up with uh, that other lady. I can't think of her name. Well, yeah, she was the one that was like hanging out with Charlize Theron a lot and like there Taking was allus- allusions to her being a demonic entity of some yes. sort. Yes. Which is kind of amazing because in this movie, she plays the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> she is a deeply, deeply religious, saintly woman. Um, yes. as opposed to a demon <laughs> um but yeah uh, we're we're doing character introductions like rapid fire and this is this is an example of of uh, efficient filmmaking i don't know if skillful but efficient in the sense that we're meeting characters and getting a sense of them very quickly where it's like okay we met denzel 
Uh, he did some coke. He he told some lies. Uh, we can tell he's maybe an unscrupulous bastard of some sort. Uh, we've seen all of Trina, but that tells uh, tells us nothing of her as a character, unfortunately. Um, nor will we ever learn anything about her as a character. Um, but Margaret, right away, she mentions like her her church or something and gives Denzel an invitation to come with him, which he. He kind of does the Seattle thing where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Totally. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> great. See, that's what I don't get, Kyle. It's like people talk about the Seattle freeze business. It's like, you know, Seattleites, we, 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 we just don't extend those invitations. Like if, if we were going to do that, like if we we're sincerely going to invite you to do something, we would. No, it's but an if ex- we don't. If we don't, that means we don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's an expensive city, and everybody's in their, like, early 30s. You have all your friends by that point. You don't want new friends. Exactly. It's like, I've been here. Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> like... Sorry, no. I'm my After your high school reunion, you don't have to make any more friends. Like, that's it. You, you're done making friends. Like, oh, I can't make any friends here. Like, w- w- did you have friends before? Why did you leave? <laughs> <laughs> that's your fault. That's not your mine. fault. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it's like, I, for one, don't feel obligated to make sincere, real friends with the people I work with anymore. Because yeah. I did that a long time ago. Did it. Got <laughs> and em. I've maintained those relationships because I'm not a psycho. <laughs> Once you're a groomsman or a bridesmaid, you've got your friends. That's It's locked down. You don't have to make any more new ones. Good call. I, I agree with that line of thinking. Um, but yeah, uh, we head into the cockpit and uh, we meet the co-pilot who... Oh, I hate this dude. Uh, I do too. I don't know his an, name. He's an <laughs> alpha dog, which eventually we're going to watch. I'm going to have you watch because it's so stupid. You have uh, brought that movie up like three times on the show. It's, it's a fascinating film, Trevor. It really I'm is. I'm very curious. That and Four Brothers. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> those, those two movies come up so often that it's like, I need to see these. Yeah. Uh, it, they're both uh, street justice movies. Yeah, uh, my favorite kind of movies. Oof. I've seen a, I've seen Steven Seagal movies. I'm all about that street justice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we meet the co-pilot, and he's a squirrely little shit. Uh, his character is a piece of shit and alpha dog. You want to punch him in that movie. Um, I want to punch him in this. <laughs> yeah, I, he's very not likable. He is um, the squarest of squares. Who Who's the actor? I've told you about him before. He plays Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. He's the short little dude from Snatch. He's uh, uh, Jason Baron Holtz. <laughs> no, no, no. Jason Statham's um, buddy, the little short oh, guy. Fake, fake Wahlberg number. Yeah, two. he's a fake Wahlberg number two. Uh, yeah. he I know, I know exactly him. who you're talking about. He reminds me of him a little bit. Uh, well, like, just his silhouette makes me think of. Um, I've never actually seen it, but that uh, that Comedy Central show, the Reno Nine One One. Oh, that's a great the, show. The yes. bike shorts guy remind because he has the mustache and he's kind of yeah. like pasty white. You should you should watch that show. It's I was actually just talking to Steph about it last night. I'm like, we should watch Reno Nine One One. It's a great show. Huh. Um, yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. But yeah, he, he meets him and he's kind of just like, I don't know about this guy. This guy's a little off today. Denzel's just like, yeah, we're gonna take off, and he he hits the oxygen mask, which is a, a huge concern. Um, I read that it's actually kind of a hangover, uh, that kind of a hangover cure. Well, the only hangover cure is sleep. Uh, that's the only only hangover cure besides the hair of the dog. 
uh, he takes oxygen. I'm like, I wonder if that does work. I would totally try that if I had too much to drink the night before. Give me some just fresh oxygen. Um, I remember, I think it was Woody Harrelson was like one of the first guys to open one of those oxygen bars a long time ago. Oh. I remember hearing him on, on like a radio program like 20 years ago. He's was, was like hyping it up. It's like, that sounds really dumb, Woody. Yeah. <laughs> but good for you. <laughs> You're um, keeping busy. Yeah, he gets his uh, little oxygen bump, and it's like crazy rainy outside. Uh, this guy, I guess he he says later he could smell the booze on him, and you can kind of yeah. get that. You can get that gist. Uh, but then we can we can we introduce Nicole? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Nicole is played by Kelly Riley, who I only recognize from um, two sources. Uh, one of which Sherlock I've Holmes. seen. One, of, yes. Yeah. I've seen her in the Sherlock Holmes movies. Uh, she's quite lovely in that, although she really has even less to do in those than she does in this. At least she gets to be kind of like witty and like catty in Sherlock Holmes. And she's this, she's just from a train. Of, yeah, and and you know she she has a couple of lines here and there that's like, ooh, you wicked smart. <laughs> like, um, but uh, the other one I think was a uh, goddess for real. Mm. Um, I haven't seen that. But that was like, oh, who was in that? It was uh, Greg Kinnear and her, oh. I think. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it. I just remember seeing the promotion for it, and I was like, holy shit, is that Greg Kinnear? <laughs> it's like, I feel like she's like the British Renee Russo. Like she's in just as many movies, and I I've seen just as many of her movies. I think Renee Russo had a bigger moment. Like she. Did she? she yeah, yeah, actually, like, she oh, had a stretch the Tom- in the 90s where she was everywhere. Thomas Crown Affair, Lethal Weapon 3 and 4. That's the only ones I've seen. Oh, Get Smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I kind of like Renee Russo, but she's, like, one of those actresses where it's, like, I think it's very uh, appropriate the way they used her in the Thor movies, where it's just, like, yeah, she's, oh, like, Ma, yeah. Yeah, it's like she's like just the right tier of famous actress where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everybody's happy to see her, but it's like, do we really expect her to bring anything to the table? It's like, no, not not really. But her price for... tag's right, you know. I'm still never going to forgive them for not giving Lucy Lawless a bone. Like, why could she not have a single role in any well, part of the I universe? mean, we got Wonder Woman 2 coming out this summer. No, they already May, fought... maybe, they already screwed maybe, that up. Maybe she has a cameo, Kyle. Fingers crossed. Fingers there, crossed. Are there any <laughs> DC woman villains? Because she definitely uh, v- could be a villain. There are. Um, she could be Big Barda. I mean, the big Nate. Big Barda works. Although, yeah. she, no, I don't know. You might want a slightly younger actress for that. But Big Barda generally is played by, I think, a mature woman in the okay. comics. Maybe. And she, she has the physicality for it. <laughs> She's Xena, dude. She can. She's fucking she, Xena. She wield it. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious. Uh, Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah in that Wonder Woman movie, and we have yet to see what Cheetah looks like. Mm. And we're it's like we're doing the Godzilla 1998 marketing, where it's like we're going to conceal the Zilla. <laughs> it's like the public <laughs> shall not know what the lizard looks like until they've already bought their tickets, and, and it is too goddamn yeah. late. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> still sour about that. Mm. Um. But yeah, we're in the cockpit, and Denzel takes a, a hit of some oxygen. He offers the co-pilot, a, you know, a hit, and just the terminology and the, like, how casual the gesture is, I think, puts the co-pilot on his heels. And I'm sure he does stink. But, um, 
We also get a throwaway line of dialogue here where Denzel makes it known that he has done 10 turns in three days. So I'd, I'd imagine that means he's flown 10 planes in three days. That's a pretty rough schedule. Um, <laughs> I mean, Is that I take a, a short plane ride. I don't know, man. I mean, from what I can tell, what they're doing here is like a hop and a skip. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a long flight as far as I understand. I mean, there's no food and drink service, so it must be really short. Um, but, yeah, just like any flight that I've taken, I feel like I've been hit by a car or something afterwards, mm-hmm. even if it's a short one. It's, the flying is rough on you. Um, and I always get sick after a flight. It's all that shared air in that in that fucking cabin. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, anyway, Kelly Riley, uh, Nicole, uh, we cut to her. And she is at the Hotel Atlanta. And uh, she has a flip phone. And she uh, she goes out to her car and she goes through this process where she's making a call. And you can hear her muttering to herself, please don't pick up. Oh, yeah. And by the way, she's smoking in her car. <laughs> um, and then where do we go from there, Kyle? Uh, yeah. Uh, so she's <laughs> gonna, the dude picks up. So she goes over. Um, this guy that she's going to buy what I thought was cocaine from. Uh, is a porn director of sorts. Now, Trevor, does Robert Zemeckis hate women, or does he like to see women just being, uh, being damaged in movies? Because I'm thinking about, I'm looking at the filmography here, and I'm like, Forrest Gump, like he just puts Jenny through the ringer. I mean, yeah, Jenny goes to hell and back. Uh, Castaway, he puts Helen Hunt through quite a traumatic experience. Uh, Back to the Future Part One and Two. Uh, Lorraine's almost sexually assault is sexually ass- nearly sexually assaulted in the first movie. She confirmed is in- sexually assaulted in the second one. In the second movie and in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Uh, like I think he might have it out because I mean, dude, you can buy you can buy drugs from dudes that don't shoot pornos. Like that's possible. You can buy it from a dude that like works. At retail <laughs> those dudes will sell it to you no but, I, I think you're right actually um i seem to remember a little bit of not controversy but just like critics being critical <laughs> of zemeckis for like maybe not making the best use of female characters in his stories scorsese occasionally gets that bullshit thrown at him too mm-hmm. in his case i think that is bullshit because a lot of his stories are intensely male-centric it's supposed um, to be about more or less not toxic masculinity, but like the negative sides of masculinity. I would say that's why I think it's entirely justified. I don't yeah. have a problem with it. In fact, I think it was Anna Paquin who's in the Irishman who, um, the Twitter exploded uh, because they're like, "Oh my God, Anna Paquin has no lines in this movie. She doesn't do anything." And then she stepped up and said, "I thought it was a very good movie. I was happy to be a part of it. Goodbye." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh well." Did- that shut me right the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. But with Robert Zemeckis, yeah, um, you can tell that like maybe he, maybe he has like an antiquated view on on like gender roles or something. Where it's a lot of his female characters are portrayed as like victims or or pushed to the side very explicitly. Like even Beowulf kind of deals with that. Which Beowulf, the actual story, pretty much has no female characters. Like it, it is entirely male focused. Um, so a tip of the hat to him for even giving like Robin Wright pen. Like, oh, I think she was Robin Wright pen at the time, or, or maybe it's just Robin Wright. Um, when was it? 2006. 
she might have not been pinned anymore. Okay, so Robin Wright, uh, who he's worked with many times, um, mm. he gave her like an actual role where she could do a few things, but even then, she's very much just like a victim throughout the entire story, and that's that's the thesis of her character is that she lives in a fucking Viking realm, and she's a she's supposed to be a queen, but really she's just there to be pretty and mm. you know not make waves and make male heirs, which is rough <laughs> um but yeah uh, she goes to see kip uh this pornographer fella and he is a he's had a a couple of lines of something because his energy level is a little up a little mm-hmm. elevated um this exchange did make me titter a couple of times though because they they offer her twenty thousand dollars to do anal but yeah. she's just there to visit her friend <laughs> like she's not there to work in fact she's a photographer on her own time but uh this this guy uh was it like kiki or tiki or something something like that yeah he looks like al leong <laughs> anyway he, he works on the set i don't know in what capacity but um he brings over one of the male actors on the porn set and he says show her the pipe and her <laughs> retort is actually pretty solid it was like why don't you why don't you shove that in your ass and call me in the morning goodbye so has she done has she done i don't some? I don't them? think so. They're I didn't get con- that. They're just wearing her down. They're just trying to get her to do it. That's fucked up. I think. I mean, he does apologize. It's like we're both tweaking. Sorry, <laughs> like, yeah. we're 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 all over the place. I'm sorry, but I didn't get the sense that she regularly worked for them or anything. Um, maybe she did like promotional stills or something. Uh, yeah, she she's gonna she's gonna walk out. She doesn't want to get the drugs, but he comes up. And he's like, here, okay, fine. I'm sorry, that was stupid. Uh, here's the drugs. Now uh, I've got these two. This first one. Uh, don't shoot it. It's too strong. Uh, you, she's like, that's right. I've been smoking it lately. I'm not going to shoot it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, keep put a pin in that. Um, I, I, as soon as he said that, I'm like, she's going to shoot it. She's 100% going to shoot it. Uh, and then he gives her something else. He gives her two bags. Uh, yeah, he gives her he gives her one vial and says, this is the Taliban. <laughs> it's it's tough shit. Um, and then he gives her a small baggie of cocaine. And uh, this, yeah, I found this puzzling because I know nothing about drugs for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he, the way he phrases it is, if you get a little too low, just do a little coke. So he's giving her what a, a downer of some sort, and she, and the the baggie's meant to be an upper to bounce back. Or yeah, he's giving her her he's giving her coke and heroin. He said that if the heroin's too strong and you're not, and you're just too low, to get a bump, which is a horrible idea. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah. Anyway, she she gets out of there. Um, but we get back over to uh, to uh, I, DW. I've just been calling him DW. So I'm like Whip Whitaker. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah, Whip. Whitaker. It is Whip. Whip is a fun name. I gotta mm-hmm. say, especially when Bruce Greenwood says it. Yeah, he's whip. got that that little bit of southern southern drawl. The whip. Yeah. Whip. He says Whip. He puts the H before the W. <laughs> whip. Um, but yeah, we're taking off, and uh, we so we're back in the plane. And by the way, Margaret has like a lovely flight attendant voice. Like she sounds legit. It's like if mm-hmm. if somebody's gonna give me the pre-flight check or whatever on the on the PA, I want it to be Margaret because I would feel very safe. Um, and then we have an exchange here, and this whole sequence is a couple minutes long. Um, it's mostly Denzel and the co-pilot, and there's no music. It's all just 
the sound of the plane rattling and like them toggling controls and stuff and the engine sounds. Um, I thought this was pretty cool. Like it's there's a quiet intensity to it where it's like you don't fully expect anything to really happen here, but there's a tension in the air that just kind of works. Um, and a DW slash Whip, um, he makes it known that he doesn't want autopilot. It's like he says, "I'm flying today," and uh, the co-pilot shoots him a look like, "Uh, I don't know about that," <laughs> but um, he complies. And this is a rough takeoff. Um, Denzel starts like singing to himself very quietly. He's singing the Joe Cocker song, though feeling all right. And like we keep cutting back to the co-pilot, and he's just like, "Oh my God, what what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. What is this?" Um, and part of what contributes to the intensity of this sequence is that I'd imagine this is pretty true to life. Um, there is zero visibility. They're they're just like punching through the clouds, so they're ascending. And they have to rely almost entirely on their instruments for anything. So mm-hmm. it's not like driving a car. It's like you're, you literally can't see anything. You, you're practically driving a submarine at this point. It's mm-hmm. like you have your radar, your sonar, and that's it. Um, yeah, the plane is rattling. And uh, at some point, Denzel calls to like request a deviation from course to avoid weather. Because on his on his radar, he notes that there's like pockets of rough rough weather that they're going to be punching through, and it's going to be rough on the plane and the passengers and whatnot. Um, and this is where we get to see like the the protocol for for how a commercial flight like this has to work, where the flight recorder is is key here, where everything that everything that is done is also verbalized, so we can have it on the black box. Um, and Denzel keeps repeatedly like asking the the co-pilot to lie for him and it's like oh man god damn it <laughs> like so he's like already like trying to cover his tracks for little things like this um and i don't know what'd you what'd you feel about their relationship here at this stage in the movie because like i noticed a couple of choice lines here and there where it's like wow i've met that guy especially that guy when he's drunk <laughs> um well it's um, Denzel and his comfortable, overly confident guy who's got all the answers. So I'm like, okay, this is normal Denzel. Uh, right back <laughs> at it again. Um, and scared white dude next to him. Uh, again, right back at it. Right back at it again. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this feels I, very cozy, like a warm blanket. <laughs> this is an insane takeoff. I've flown a lot, a lot, a lot. I've never yeah. had a shaky takeoff, ever. Like, every takeoff has been standard the most you're gonna get is on the ascent before you're even just cruising is like a little like a little bump of just a little bit there i've never seen anything like this isn't people are like like afraid for their lives like i don't know i don't know how realistic this takeoff is i'm have you ever experienced turbulence like this on a takeoff i've definitely had it up in the air where you're just like oh yeah where you're just like making your piece you're like oh fuck okay well yeah this is the one this is it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no I, i've definitely experienced turbulence but yeah takeoffs are generally pretty yeah. standard and if um, it was raining this bad have you ever taken off when it was raining this i mean this is a fucking storm i have not and that's that's where i can't speak to how realistic this is i feel like it would um, be delayed because i've definitely i've had 
I've had several flights delayed, um, a couple of them for weather, uh, snow mm-hmm. and rain. So I feel like they wouldn't have taken off in this. But for the story's sake, they have to illustrate that he, one, lies, and two, is a very capable pilot. So when he has to do the maneuver later, they're like, oh, he had to go with his, his instincts and stuff like that, like what he what he knows as a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, long story short, we do reach altitude after a few tense minutes. Um, I did like his line to to his scared white co-pilot um trying to get out of this shitty air if that's okay with you (laughs) i was like oh shit (laughs) it's like maybe don't press the point because i'd be very curious to see oh wait no i know what that looks like because i've seen broken arrow i was gonna say (laughs) um be very curious to see what a fight between two pilots strapped in looks like (laughs) Mm. Um, but like i said i've seen broken arrow so i know what that looks like it doesn't look interesting (laughs) at all (laughs) It looks like two kids wearing fucking <laughs> wearing helmets, like trying to get in a slap boxing match. Um, it does not make for sexy visuals um, in fight sequences. Um, but yeah, the uh, passengers all applaud. We're all thankful that we didn't die. Um, then we cut back to Kelly Riley, uh, aka mm-hmm. Nicole, and uh, she comes home, and her landlord is in her living room. Can we this guy a- looked very familiar he did uh he kind of looked like your brother if your brother was a strong out piece of shit uh ouch (laughs) no just like the your brother's much that's what i'm saying your brother's much more clean cut it was just the the distribution of facial hair that this guy had and like if your brother had really long hair uh sorry matt no offense Uh, um no, the uh can there ever be a good landlord can there just never one time be a good landlord no no there's never a good one no, it's movie law. This cannot be. This My, does not compute. Our landlord, when we lived in uh, Capitol Hill, she was the I'm one of the best landlords I've ever had in my entire life. She was great. We got our entire deposit back. Anytime we needed something fixed or a complaint, she you know, absolutely is on it. She was a wonderful landlord. And can we just get a realistic one for crying out loud? <laughs> that would be really funny. It's like Kyle writes a screenplay and... There's just a random character in there. It's like, we need to have this landlord character introduce himself. And I want him to be a really good guy. <laughs> it's like, like, maybe. It's like, that doesn't contribute anything to the story, Kyle. Like, why are these pages here? It's like, because I, I just want to make it known that, you know, good landlords exist. They do. <laughs> like, so, 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 I was going through your apartment for the cleanup. How, how did this hole get in the wall? I don't know. It was so weird. It was there when we moved in. Like, no, no, it wasn't. I know it wasn't. Uh, did you put this hole in the wall? How did you put this hole in the wall? I, it's just weird. I don't know. It just, it's just there. Like, oh, just picturing Lord. like the the end of signs or something. It's like mm. instead of instead of swing away, it's just like landlord. <laughs> it's like I'll save you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> landlord defeats alien. <laughs> Is Paul Giamatti the landlord in? Uh, that water movie, the M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, the Lady in the Water. Yeah, isn't he the landlord? Yes, he's the super. He's the superintendent, yeah. that's right. Yeah. He's the super. I, I would very much like to see that. In fact, there's a... Uh, I haven't seen it, but uh, there's a book written about the making of that movie that R- I... Even more than seeing the movie, I want to read that. Where it, It's called uh, The Man Who Heard Voices, I think. And it's it's written by, I think, one of the people who was on the set like a script supervisor maybe mm. um who was who had uh m night Shyamalan's ear and it's just a a story about the making of that movie and apparently it was a really fascinating story mm. i mean you know about the the set that they built right no they built that apartment complex like outside of 
I want to say like Philly. It was outside. So Philly. He, for for his convenience, he doesn't do a movie outside of Philly. He wanted, uh, I believe, he wanted to be within driving distance of uh, his home. Yeah, that's a uh, that's not good for a set. You know, <laughs> it's no. like making it easy on you logistically. It's like no, maybe you should pick the right location with like the the right services and the right staff and maybe you move out of philadelphia or maybe you'd be (laughs) away from your wife and kids for you know a day (laughs) that was the first time i think i ever saw tony collette was a sixth sense yeah that was the first time i saw her too and uh yeah she was awesome (laughs) always (laughs) um but yeah i did like this landlord's line about he i mean he's a sleazebag like just his appearance communicates to us on a visual level He, he is not a good person um, but he does invite Nicole to uh, take a shower at his place, and I did like his line: "Got that good water pressure." <laughs> it's like, which implies the other buildings don't have good water pressure. It's like maybe take take better care of the building, sir. Yeah, he's um, just she's just surrounded by scumbags who are trying to bang her. Yeah, yeah, very much so. She uh, she has dicks being thrown at her left and right. It's not yeah. pleasant. What man? Being a lady oh. must be really hard. <laughs> I'm sorry, we forgot about the clapping after they get through the turbulent. Uh, take oh, off I, I, the yeah, I, I did mention the the passengers all applaud. I was like, anytime you have to do that in a plane, there's a problem, man. <laughs> it's fucked up. And then he's like, I'm gonna torture these people. I just put them through a traumatic experience. Uh, no drinks today, motherfucker. Yeah, what an asshole. Uh, but yeah, Nikki, uh, during her. Uh, she kicks the landlord out. Uh, as she's doing so, she knocks over a, a box of some sort, and uh, a syringe bounces out of the box. And by the way, this, when when uh, she was given the heroin, she did mention, "Oh, I haven't touched a needle in months or something." Um, this is where I was like, "Okay, boomer," because uh, <laughs> this music <laughs> kicks in. Uh, it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you know anything yes. about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Very little. Okay, I, so- I like some of their songs. Yeah, so they uh, were, were smack hounds for a while, um, as were a lot of uh, pretty good bands in the early 90s. It was just like a rite of passage. Like, you had to do heroin in the early 90s uh, to be good. Alice in Chains being one of the big ones. Um, well, yeah, the song um, Under the Bridge is what's playing, and it's about heroin, more or less. So as soon as it kicked in, I'm like, dude, come on. We all know that. And it's only boom. It's only like the older generation that doesn't know that. Um <laughs> So, loser um yeah <laughs> she's gonna shoot it shocker yeah um but yeah we cut back to whip and he is addressing the passengers and as he's doing so on the pa his left hand is uh undoing like the cap of some some vodka shooters and pouring them into some orange juice Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, that is a practiced maneuver. Because doing that yeah. one-handed wall talking on a PA, holy shit, that takes some dexterity. Also, we are under uh, the assumption that this is a two-hour flight. This means that he put down about three shots of vodka with some orange juice in roughly, I'm going to say, 30 minutes. Because uh, he goes to sleep after this. So yes, that's insane. <laughs> can I can I bring up something? The product play, one of the problem the biggest problem I have with this is like it's about addiction. This is about alcoholism in general, but it's about addiction. This mm-hmm. has the most alcohol product placement I've ever seen in a movie. It's insane. 
the first thing we see when you're in the, the hotel room is uh, Miller High Life and Winston Cigarettes, by the way. That was a rough night for them. Um, we get Winston Cigarettes, Smirnoff, Budweiser, Bushmills, Jim Beam, Stoli, mentioned just in passing. We don't see the bottle. Yeah. Hennessy, yeah. Rolling Rock, and uh, yeah, and Miller High Life, of course. Um, I'm sure I missed a couple uh, a couple of other ones, but that's insane. Like, Why are you making a movie about alcoholism or an addiction if you're getting all this money from... For product placement, and because the state of Georgia doesn't pay for the entire production, you need to do product placement to make up for the rest of the budget. <laughs> and Denzel probably carries a heavy price tag. Why can't it just be just one bottle of vodka? He just drinks one kind of vodka because it's mostly what he drinks in this. Well, yeah. Kyle, have you ever seen? Uh, I think it's Repo Man or mm-hmm. Repo Men. No, it's a. I think it's actually part of the Criterion Collection. There's two different ones. There's Repo Man, which is the Emilio movie. Jude thing. Repo yeah. Men is the Jude Law one. Yeah, uh, it's the Emilio one. Gotcha. Yeah, it's Criterion, um, uh, which is hilarious to me because it's it's a super indie like punk rock movie. Like it's it is not a high quality production, but it's intensely charming and a lot of fun. I had to watch it in school for I don't even know why the fuck. <laughs> uh, the the teacher in that class was like one of the uh, maquette creators for the the Dune movie way back when. Mm. Um, he was into comics and shit. Anyway, um, the there was a uh, running gag in the movie where every instance of potential product placement is circumvented by um, putting generic labels on everything in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene where they go to like a mini mart. And they're like buying beer, and they all have these just like white blank labels that just say the beer <laughs> or like nice. the cat food because they couldn't afford it. Like they couldn't get licensed and they couldn't afford it. So every product in that movie has some sort of generic covering on it. It's like when you see in an indie movie, somebody puts a sticker on the Apple label on their mm-hmm. laptop because yeah. they can't get licensing for it. Um, but yeah, uh, it is kind of weird that you mentioned that. It's like, yeah. This is a movie that carries a very strong message, an anti, anti-alcohol message for the most part, um, but was heavily financed by those companies. Yeah, <laughs> but that's uh, capitalism for you. Um, then we get a very deliberate shot, like very deliberate shot of him recycling the bottles. Um, he puts them in the garbage essentially, um, and we cut back to uh, Nicole, and uh, she ties one off, and I. I know this folk song, but I don't recall who sings it. Um, what were the lyrics? And, uh, you don't want to ask me that. <laughs> like, I'm not good with lyrics. It's a female vocalist. Uh, oh, it's Stevie Nicks, I think. There you go. That yeah. sounds right. Um, we get a, a shot panning across like family photos of her and what appears to be her mom, um, who very obviously seems to have undergone some sort of chemotherapy based on her appearance. Um, and then we do a little special effects trick here where uh, her her pupils change size. Uh, they, was it dilate or reverse dilate? <laughs> reverse dilate. Um, yeah. Um, when she shoots up. And uh, she, cra- she falls to the floor and is reaching for the cocaine bag um, when like her Leo landlord is banging fucking, on the- uh, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, she needed the vial. He he switched up the bags. The heroin needed to be in the bag. The cocaine needed to be in the vial. So she could just like shovel, like just pour it down. Lions, tigers, and bears. But yeah, she passes out on the floor before she can get the coke. 
It's funny, actually. I remember, like, my my dad goes to the VA hospital, and uh, they have, like, group therapy and stuff, and a lot of the people in there have really serious drug problems. And I mm-hmm. uh, remember I, I watched this movie with him, and he just threw it out there. It's like uh, a lot of the drug use and, like, drinking in this movie, it's, it's like, ritualized in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about how, like, um, the use of, like, songs being like a big trigger where it's like you put on your favorite song or you put on like the appropriate song and then you you tie one off and you shoot up or whatever because it's it's a ritual at that point that's uh memory memory is a huge part of uh of of breaking addiction is it's it's generally triggered by things that you did while you were doing whatever drug if you go to a bar you go to a certain house to go drink you hang out with certain people uh, you listen to certain music yeah it it definitely triggers it and that's one of the difficult things that uh, people have to cut out of their lives because some people deal with family members that are alcoholics or are in a group where everybody in the family has a drinking problem they're always hanging out with each other on the weekends it's like how am I supposed to kick this habit if I'm going over to my brother's on Sunday. We always have beers while we're watching the game. Yeah, um, the the ritual side of it. Yeah, it's 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 a big part of it. And yeah, and and there is like a muscle memory quality to it too, where it's like uh, some people drink like smoke when they drink. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a thing where without even thinking about it, it's like you're you're just lighting a cigarette because it's like oh I'm doing that thing that I do. I should also do that other thing that I do. I quit smoking when I was I was only like near the end of my in the navy. I was only smoking when I was drinking, uh, and then I just quit. I just quit smoking, and then we went out drinking one night after I quit smoking. And cigarettes stunk to me when I was sober. When I was drunk, it was insane. I smelled a cigarette; it was the best smell. I, it was it was crazy. I just walked by. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, that smells so good. I'm like it stinks normally, but yeah. Oof. <laughs> Um, so yeah, at this point we get to the catalyst for the plot of the movie. Um, <laughs> Whip is asleep in the cockpit, and uh, his co-pilot has the plane. Um, and then he reaches to shut off the autopilot, and his the elevator, his uh, his joystick, uh, <laughs> locks into place. Um, and we we get a shot of the interior of the plane where the passengers are seated, and there is a shutter. Um, so this plane is in in a bad way. Um, and suddenly the plane is put into a dive, and uh, everybody has to fasten their seatbelts. Margaret commands everyone to get into brace position, and Denzel is on, awake, on point, and delegating orders. <laughs> the drunkest man on the planet is now in charge. Um, and this this whole sequence is maybe 10 minutes of screen... No, it's, it's probably less than 10 minutes of screen time, but it feels long, but not in a bad way. I actually really love this crash sequence. Um has I was an, laughing. Int- you were laughing? I was <laughs> At laughing. what parts? Uh, people dying. Uh, <laughs> well, when the girl when the girl gets her ankle caught in the in the luggage compartment and uh, the other lady pukes as a result. Um, yeah, that did make me giggle a little bit. <laughs> no, when the other flight attendant breaks her neck, I thought it was uh, so funny. I could not stop. And then when the plane goes upside down and her body just boom, <laughs> it's the ceiling. I'm, I'm sorry. She, it, she it flips was, and flops quite a bit. It's supposed to be like, oh, damn, like this is serious. I'm like, just the way it was executed and like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm jaded well, it, at this point. It is kind of shocking how like 
how instantaneously she just goes limp and and then yeah she's just like a prop that's being yeah flung around the inside of the plane for the remainder of the crash i had a good gig i mean we watched cannibal holocaust man i've seen things die on screen like this is this is a joke (laughs) like kyle and i both have very thick skin when it comes to portrayals of violence on on film yeah um but yeah aside from that i i felt like the the editing and the use of sound the sound in particular is very good um we shy away from music cues here again just like the takeoff no music uh it's all engine sounds and people praying and shouting basically um but yeah, uh, Denzel is on point here, and uh, the first assumption is that they lost hydraulics. However, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, at some point, he, he has to ask permission from the airline to dump the fuel from the plane, and it's not until a couple minutes later that he gets confirmation. And it's it's such a small little thing, but once once it comes through on the radio that's like, fuel dump is approved, I, I did like that he, like, he gives just this like very curt, just like, thank you like mm-hmm. that's like totally unnecessary you didn't need to thank them for that but um denzel's mindset in this sequence is really fascinating to me because he is supposed to be fucking drunk and he he comes across as massively competent but i think it's actually just bluster so i guess i think it's just him being a drunk guy who has an ego so there's there's something interesting about um, high functioning alcoholics and people who have been doing drugs for a long time. There's a we watched a, a little bit of a I guess like a, a short segment on um, Vancouver's needle exchange program that they have where people go in or they have an actual place where uh, heroin addicts can go in, get clean needles, and uh, they can actually shoot up. They they bring their own heroin, but they can shoot up with clean needles, um, which is really nice. But this guy was sitting there. And he's like, yeah, I don't even get high anymore. He's like, I'm. This is just so I can function. Like, I it doesn't even affect me anymore. And he's probably taking a huge dose. Same thing goes for alcoholics. Like, if you if you were to take a breathalyzer of like just a normal person, if I was at like a point oh eight, like I'd be pretty lit up. For somebody who's uh, who's been drinking constantly for years, a point oh eight is a withdrawal at that point. Like they're going through extreme withdrawals at that point. Yeah. He, I believe, is to the point where that wasn't he was not drunk he was just alleviating withdrawal at that point he was just getting back to normal to where he can just function um Mm. if he when he's drunk that's when he's like can't later in the movie when he's actually drunk that is coherent incoherent he's in a complete blackout but in this case i don't think he's drunk he's just functioning now that's what that's what i see functioning alcoholic as well regardless of if he's drunk or not what what's fascinating about the scene this just might be me projecting or reading into it too deeply what i think is fascinating about is i get the sense that he actually isn't he actually isn't as competent as maybe he's portrayed to be Mm -hmm. it's more just like he's the only guy in the room who who has the confidence and the bluster to step up and say oh i know what to do yeah because i've met that guy i've i've lived with that guy before where it's like you actually have no fucking clue what no you're doing. clue i do yeah. but you you have you have too much <laughs> you have so you have enough ego and pride to carry you through it where it's like or oh delusion, you know, it's yeah. Like, yeah it's definitely delusion where it's just like oh shit fly a plane i can do that okay, <laughs> it's so- like 
so I mean this this does go on for a while. He gets Margaret in on it. Um, mm-hmm. Katarina has to unbuckle herself. People, I mean, like they're in a nosedive basically going down, and like people are buckled in, but this kid falls out of his seat. So Katarina <laughs> gets out of her seat to go help him, which I don't think you should do. Uh, like help him, <laughs> somebody help him. I'm way over here. Uh, but like during this nosedive, uh, Margaret's helping. And also, she gave him like when he was pouring out his little screwdriver, he was making his little cocktail. She gave him like a look, like she kind of she kind of knew what he was doing. Um, but he never, we never talk about how he was able. Like, did they ever learn this maneuver in in like See, uh, pilot that's school? That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. I don't think that they did i think he made it up <laughs> i think no i when i saw that he had the little crop dusting plane i'm like i'm gonna get i was like i i Steph was in there watching I'm like he's gonna tell a story about how he had to do that same maneuver on mm. this plane and that's gonna come up in the trial about how they lost the engine they lost like um their engines and he had to basically flip it over to slow it like to slow it down and to land it but yeah, yeah it never came up so yeah well Apparently, the roll came from an actual plane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you glance at the Wikipedia for this movie, apparently there was an actual crash, and that crash had no survivors. Um, but one with no survivors. No survivors. <laughs> um, but um, it was Bane. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking Bane crashed the plane <laughs> with no survivors. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, apparently one of the maneuvers attempted to prevent that crash was was an inverted roll of some sort. I don't understand um, the physics of that. I'm sure some physics person has done a YouTube video on it. I I don't dispute it. I'm sure there is some sense to it. Uh, point is his we're we're caught in this nosedive. Um oh my god. I, you're not a wrestling fan, but the Ultimate Warriors promo about putting Hulk Hogan into a nosedive is priceless <laughs> it is five minutes of gold Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> um but yeah we put the plane into a roll and we go upside down we invert um just like top gun i was inverted so i flipped the russian guy the bird <laughs> diplomatic communications here um and yeah uh this is where this is around the time uh tammy either gets concussed or killed um, so Tammy is the other flight attendant, not not Katerina, and she bonks her head on a on a seat basically, and it Crack. looks like she's yeah, it looks like she's she snapped her baby. neck. She gets million dollar babied. Yes, very much so. <laughs> exactly, except on a on the head of a chair instead Crack. of like the stool. Yeah. Um, That's why I was and, laughing. Uh, That's why it was so funny because they parodied it. They parod- parodied it in Scary Movie three or four, where she. Breaks her neck oh. on the chair, so maybe that's what brought it back. Was that Charlie Sheen? One of them. He was in the third okay. one, I think. I think so, because I've seen that one. Um, but yeah, as she gets concussed and or killed, and then we start to roll the plane, and a whip tells Margaret to tell her son into the flight recorder, say, "I love you, Trevor." And I was like, "Don't ever say my name on film; it makes me jump." <laughs> um, but that's her son's name. Um, and then we get a very, very near upskirt shot of Trina. This poor lady just can't help but be molested by the camera. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Tammy's flipping and flopping all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we get this really cool shot that I think was in the trailer for the movie that I, I happen to like it a lot. Um, 
because we've been cross-cutting between the events on the plane and Nicole. Um, so we cut back to the Hotel Atlanta, where, where Nikki is, and it's the exterior, and we see her, like, on a gurney being hauled out of her apartment, and uh, the landlord's there, and then the plane, inverted, so upside down, flies directly over them, and then the landlord looks up in the sky and shouts, Jesus, fuck! Yeah. Shit! <laughs> But I just love that shot of a fucking upside down plane <laughs> going right over this like like low to the ground hotel. I was like, that's kind of cool looking. Um, but yeah, now we're upside down, and uh, there are fires in both of the wings. Uh, and poor, poor, <laughs> poor Tammy is is still still getting beat up by this plane. This is where she gets her ankle cut in one of the luggage compartments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like flips and flops all over the interior of the plane. We get some passengers puking. Uh, <laughs> new guys in the back puking his guts out. <laughs> uh, and we boost into the roll uh, to level off. And uh, I noticed a really cheesy shot here where the camera like does a Sam Raimi-esque zoom on the check engine light on the interior, like in the cockpit. Mm. It's like, it's like an Edgar Wright slash Sam Raimi shot. It doesn't belong in this movie. It's something I would do if I was making this movie, which is not a good thing to do. Um, And at this point we start gliding and I really loved how uh, everyone in the cockpit is just kind of like flabbergasted. Like, even Denzel is just kind of, like, looking out the windows, and we are so low to the ground that there is a chapel incoming, and we're pretty much in line with it, mm-hmm. like a chapel spire. And he actually just verbalizes, like, are we gliding? <laughs> it's like, that's where I was like, you know, I don't I don't think he actually quite knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, I think he's just getting lucky at every turn. <laughs> um, And, yeah, it's really neat. Because all like this entire sequence has been extremely loud up to this point, um, but now that the engines have been killed and we're just gliding, it's completely silent. And even when one of the wings impacts the the chapel spire, like it, the sound is muffled, and we just hear like a low rumble. Uh, and then we finally crash, and uh, we fade to white, and we go into the the Private Ryan zone where everything goes <laughs> um, as whip is struck in the head by his uh his elevator his joystick um we get a dreamlike sequence where he's being dragged out of the plane we see margaret in tears and trina face down in a pool of blood so she is not in a good way probably dead spoiler alert she's dead yeah um and then a bunch of baptists and fire trucks arriving on the scene and then we fade to white again and we wake up in a hospital and we get a perspective shot of the familiar view of a hospital ceiling you know you count the dots to relieve tension and whatnot and uh there's an ekg beeping and tv news is on but there's no audio and then we get to meet bruce greenwood and uh was this the president in national treasure too yeah. was he the president yes yeah he, bruce greenwood was manufactured by the heavens to to play politicians men in suits mm-hmm um, in fact, I think he played JFK in, in like, I think it was a movie about, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis or something. Or he 13, played Ack. Ack and, yeah, 13 Days, is it? it? 13 Days? Was, did he play JFK in that? Or did he play, he play Bobby? Uh, he, he, I think he played Ack Kennedy. Okay. Um, I feel like JFK is probably off limits for actors. 
Dude, that like, movie... I, I can't think of a single person who's played him. No, because like... I don't even think he shows up in 13, 13 days. Dude, that movie is funny. It's literally just like a constant uh, 360 shot of guys talking with mid-Atlantic accents. And, oh, God damn it. Oh, it's God just, damn it. it. It's all it is, dude. I just remember watching the movie. I'm like, it's just constantly fast walking and dudes talking in a room. It is the most boring. Why is Kevin Costner a thing? He does the most boring movies. Well, boomer movie, like you Oof. said. Um, there is a market for that. And There's a not only that, that I, th- I think uh, I think we were thick in the middle of the West Wing around that time. So, yeah. I mean, you just yeah. you just described the West Wing. It's yeah. just, you know, white guys in suits walking and the camera follows them and lots of guat damn it. <laughs> Make boomer movies great again, like Lincoln. That's the best boomer movie. Directed by a Jewish man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is probably why it's good. <laughs> uh, that was good, though. I liked that quite it a bit. It was really good. Um, but yeah, uh, we wake up in the hospital and Bruce, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Greenwood. Greenwood. <laughs> Bruce Greenwood is dicking around on his phone like you do when you're visiting people in the hospital because that's where we're at in the 21st century. Um, and he reveals to Whip that uh, 102 passengers were on board and 96 survived. So we lost two crew and four passengers, which, you know, statistically speaking, is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here's where we get, like, the, the protocol for an incident like this. And uh, we have a NTSB agent. Uh, that would be National Transportation Safety Board. I did have to look that up. Um so we get an agent who has to make first contact with a, with the pilot of, of a crash, I guess. Um, and he walks in, at, I love his demeanor, where it's like you can tell he, he knows his job, like he knows his duty, but he's just like, man, this guy was just in a plane crash, and it was like a miraculous crash too, and like I just really don't want to bother this guy. <laughs> like He's so sheepish, and you know he has his uniform and everything, but you can tell just he's just not in it. He just wants to get in and out and leave this poor guy alone. Um, and I like the way this, this sequence was shot, because like, the doctor comes in and tells him he's fine for the most part, but we, we have the sustained close-up of Denzel's eye, and by the way, he, he has like an eye patch at this point. Uh, so we can only really see the one and it's just the sustained shot of Denzel's eye and we keep coming back to the doctor and uh, at the mention of Trina uh, Katarina he he is noticeably upset um, but everything like everything in his, his responses like all of his verbalizations kind of belie that fact like he's he's keeping it under his hat basically but his face communicates to us, the viewer, that's like, ah, yeah, he, he, he actually cared about that person. Um, and we learn that the co-pilot is in a coma, but is likely to recover. And uh, Bruce Greenwood is a rep for the pilot's union, by the way. Um, and yeah, Denzel gets his, his acting moment in here where he gets to shed a tear um, at the mention of his son, who he is pretty obviously estranged from. Um, and before Bruce, Bruce Greenwood leaves, um, Denzel has a parting line that's like, the, the, plane, the plane was fucked. Um, it was doomed. And Bruce Greenwood's reply is like, you know, what you did was pretty much nothing short of a miracle. Um, so it's pretty obvious that it's like, what he did was incredible, but the circumstances in which he arrived in that situation were more than likely entirely out of his hands. Um, and I did like... <laughs> 
the the conclusion of the scene is just him alone in his in his hospital room and he just mutters under his breath god damn it <laughs> it's like it carry it carries a lot of meaning because like not only god damn it for what happened but god damn it for the circus that's to come <laughs> it's like just everything got blown the fuck open and uh enter john goodman mm-hmm. um, who i know you're a big fan of kyle yeah i didn't really care for his character in this i was disappointed actually um because he he would have been more fun if he had a little bit more like a little bit more to do in the movie but i did like uh he calls the nurse nurse ratchet uh, as he's sexually <laughs> harassing her um but yeah he's his uh his coke dealer booze buddy um now you have to make a certain amount of money to have a coke coke dealer booze buddy like his they're gonna want you to pay for the coke that you're doing together. Like, hey man, so you're gonna need to give me like two fifty for this. I mean, we're splitting it obviously, but you got to pay me. So he's good for it. So this is this is a nice little friendship that they have here. Uh, but uh, yeah, he comes in and, and you can tell what his priorities are. He's like, I got booze for you, man. You're a hero. You're never gonna have to pay for a drink again. Like, it's like the one of the first things he says to him. You're never gonna have to yeah. pay for a drink again. Uh, he's thinking about saving money now. Um, but yeah, he shows him like all the people outside, and he's trying to get fix him a drink immediately. Uh, he does bring him a carton of cigarettes, which is really sweet. That's a really nice, nice gift. Um, but yeah, he's like, I, I he's like, I don't want to drink right now. He doesn't say right now. He's like, I don't want to drink. Um, I'm gonna need you to go get some stuff from my house. I'll call you when I need you to come, like, come get me and everything. Um, but then uh, I was actually shocked. Uh, Nicole isn't dead. Uh, <laughs> I thought she was dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after John Goodman leaves, and by the way, his parting lines to Denzel are like, he advises him to jerk off all day long because he's earned it. <laughs> like, man, that sounds exhausting. Um, but Whip wakes up to a thunderstorm, and he's obviously off kilter. So he uh, ducks into the stairwell for a smoke uh, with the smokes that uh, John Goodman gave him, and he encounters Nikki. She is not dead. Um, and sure enough, he has the line, you know, like devious minds think alike. So they're both there to smoke in the fucking stairwell, which, you know, is a thing that the cool kids do. Unfortunately, I was never one of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but they smoke together and there's a little bit of tension in the air, not like horrible tension or anything. But uh, she asks if he was on the plane and uh, he lies. Uh, he says, that, oh, yeah, like I was in the back. It's like no, you were as far in the front as you as it gets. Um, and then enter uh, James Badge Dale. Yeah, the um, other shitbag from The Departed. Yeah, <laughs> literally the other shitbag. The other like, shitbag. Yeah. It's like, well, you thought you were the only one. It's like, yeah. no, there's another shitbag. It's me. <laughs> um, I like James Badge Dale. I I can't think of too many movies I've seen him in, but he's like always welcome. Like he has a. I like his facial construction. It uh, it lends itself well to communicating character quickly. It's like even if he doesn't have much in a movie, like he has a look to him that just kind of works. Like, uh, what was it? He was in the Pacific, which was not as good as I was hoping it would be. Um, but yeah, uh, he he's a cancer patient in this movie, and he's only it for this one scene. But uh, he comes up from the basement. And uh, he mentions that he wants a cigarette too, so they give him one. And he's carrying an IV rack, by the way. And uh, he has 
he has a sense of humor. It's like I should quit. My my cancer might get cancerous. And uh he has a lot of lines here that are meant to carry a lot of weight, a lot of meaning. Um a lot of it has to do with like fate and about having being having been chosen by God essentially. Like he he basically is of the mind that um once you realize all the random events in your life are in the hands of a of a larger dynamic, like your life gets a lot more simple. Mm. So that's where he's at with things. That's how he's and making he, sense of things. Yeah. Yeah. That that's how he's that's how he's making sense of his his reality in this moment, and uh, he keeps trying to tell Nicole how beautiful he is, and uh, how she is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was really interesting to me how like he keeps kind of projecting onto her that like he he believes that she thinks that she's going to die or something and it feels like the script jumped a little bit like this, this is a part that i have issue with because like i you know you don't know why she's here <laughs> it's like you met her in the stairwell how would you know that um but as he's making his exit um he tells her she's going to be okay and uh, she has some lines about chemo brain about how it like messes with your your thinking basically because she experienced it firsthand because her mom had cancer and she had to bear witness to that and it was awful apparently um but before she leaves denzel gets her address um, because he says he's going to come visit her um and then denzel makes his exit from the hospital and uh john goodman's driving him around uh and he drops him at a farm and uh he Denzel is at this farm and he has 127 calls on his cell phone. So the media circus that John Goodman had alluded to is definitely in full force and they're they're looking for him. They want interviews. John Goodman cracking open beers with his dashboard installed beer bottle opener, by the way, drinking yeah. and driving. Love that. <laughs> There's Ooh. a lot of drinking and driving in this There's movie. A lot of drinking and driving. <laughs> um but this sequence, um, we're uh, we're setting about dumping all the alcohol in the farm, which is a substantial amount of alcohol. Yeah. That's this is cool. okay. So, so um, apparently, according to the IMDb, a lot of pilots had issue. Pilots had issue with the uh, reality of a lot of the stuff having to do with uh, the like the crash and everything. But apparently, mm-hmm. this was um, uh, a lot of alcoholics said that this movie was a really really accurate portrayal of what it's like to deal with. Um, alcoholism and i know this one too is the uh hiding of the booze is a huge one um i do like how he he's got the hydrocodone what's uh even john goodman in the hospital is like what are they giving you man what's this stuff and he's like this isn't like even the, good yeah the, the hospital's drug standards aren't up to his standards yeah like he's like they ain't even giving you the good shit <laughs> he's just rattling off all these complicated drug names and he's like what the fuck is this shit what are you supposed <laughs> to do with that that's not even good uh <laughs> But yeah, he he he's pours a connoisseur. out his he pour, pours out his hydrocodone. Uh, he pours he's pouring out his booze. He dumps out his weed, which honestly would have been his best bet. Uh, I know it's like, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's like you, you don't have to burn everything. <laughs> that's how you wean off. Get get the get the really bad shit out of your body. Smoke and some I mean, weed. he's still he's still smoking cigarettes. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the other thing was uh, when he does quit drinking later, I. What, um, some of them in uh, my family was a very high functioning alcoholic when they quit drinking they had to probation uh, they were putting down 
they were sucking down cigarettes like crazy and drinking pots of coffee, like just pounding caffeine. There's a later in the movie, um, he gets a sweet tooth, mm-hmm. and yeah. I've I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Like that that's part of it is you. You, you supplement, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I'm not drinking, I'm going to be eating fucking cake every day. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he's just he's pouring out, like, beer, all kinds of liquor. I mean, he's got a liquor, like, a bar in, like, this, throughout the whole comp, the whole property. Um, he, I thought he was going to keep the vodka in the freezer, but he, he does pour that out. Um, but he's he like, hesitated. <laughs> he, he did hesitate with that. He, uh, I think it's because maybe it's like his favorite or something. He does he like does vodka. Drink, he, he does drink a lot of vodka in this movie. Um, he, he's his his plan is to dry out, but he just has like records. I'm like how that he's got like the old, uh, he's got like the old tape player or old radio or whatever. Like Ain't that's no how, sunshine yeah. generation. <laughs> not not the DMX version. <laughs> um. But yeah, he he's just kind of hanging about, and uh, he gets. Uh, they give him a call. Bruce Greenwood gives him a call with Don Cheadle. Uh, Don Cheadle inserts the movie. Yeah, uh, so Bruce Greenwood calls him, and we get this scene where he leaves a voicemail, um, and we see that as he's doing so, he has like a room through a, a room full of the the boomiest of boomers, like all these heavy set white guys yeah. in, in fancy ass suits sitting in like a boardroom or something so he is beholden to uh i mean obviously he works for the pilots union but i think the airline is a huge part of it too yeah um so so he's a proxy for a, a grander force here yeah um, so don Cheadle is representing the pilots union defending the defending the pilot against the airline that's trying to make him take responsibility for the crash obviously exa- yeah exactly um, so we finally meet Don Cheadle here at a hotel dining room, and uh, Denzel at this point, he uh, his eye patch is off, but he's still walking with a cane, so he's recovering. Um, and we sit down to like a brunch of some sort, I guess. Uh, it's Bruce Greenwood, Don Cheadle, and Denzel. It's a table I'd want to sit at. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> maybe not next to Denzel. He seems a little intense for me. <laughs> I think he's probably very friendly. Just I'd don't... sit next to Don Cheadle. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk politics, I'd say. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but we sit down here, and uh, we learn that, like you said, John Cheadle is a criminal negligence lawyer. I guess that's his speciality. Yeah. Um, and uh, his concern has to do with uh, Denzel's toxicology report, which yeah. uh, we, the viewer, know what that means. Um, probably didn't come back with the best of results. We've had a lot of coke um, and booze, like a lot, like a lot yeah, in your like, system. Like a lot, a lot. Alcohol blood level 0.24. That's a lot. It's like survey says you are eighty percent booze. Um and I did like the timing of this where it's like as soon as as soon as the mention of the report comes up, Denzel like flags down a waitress and is like, Yeah, I saw like two two warm cinnamon buns. Like, can I get two cinnamon buns? Feeling a little nervous, huh? I was watching this with I was watching this with black coffee. I'm like, ooh, a cinnamon roll sounds really good with some black coffee. Like, I know. I had the same good. fucking reaction. Oh. In fact, I went out and I, I went to get like coffee creamer and stuff. They had cinnamon toast crunch cream. Ooh. And I bought it because ooh. I'm I am fucking trailer trash, apparently. Diabetes. <laughs> Diabetes in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Denzel's response to looking Don Cheadle up and down is, I need a bigger lawyer, <laughs> like, as in a better lawyer. No, Don Cheadle's and, a know, good... His little lawyerisms in here are nice. Like, I, I like how Don he Don Cheadle, get, yeah. He gets no, his he, he, uh, he gets his blood work uh, thrown out, and I, I listed uh, listened to all of the reasons why he got it. I'm like, damn, that's pretty good. Uh, all no, these, by, all, by all... By all rights, he seems like an excellent lawyer and a decent guy. Yeah. He, but Denzel does his Denzel thing and just will not give this guy the time of day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does have to lie under oath, but then again, they can't prove that he's... Because yeah, it's fine. It works. It's the system, yeah, dude. And, you. and this begins the cycle of, uh, of Denzel continually asserting that the plane was broken, and if not for him, everyone would have died. So this is this is his... This is his perspective, basically. This is this is the entirety of his characters that yeah. I couldn't have done something wrong because I I saved everyone, right? It's like I'm not a bad person. I saved lives. And no one else no one else in that situation could have done what I did. It's like But, but why? It's like but there's more to it. Like there's nuance there, sir. Um and he's also communicated at this point by Don Cheadle, by the way, that uh, he is facing 12 years minimum mm-hmm. um, if things go south, and uh, life imprisonment if he gets all the counts of manslaughter, which yeah. would be six, six counts of manslaughter. Five. It doesn't. Uh, I, oh no. Oh, I the think crew members. The four. I think he says only four because the crew members don't count in the settlement. Yeah, he He's has, like they he don't, has a little giggle. <laughs> they don't count. I'm sorry. Yeah. They don't count in this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a fucking lawyer. Yeah, it was pretty good. He, he's doing his job, you know. <laughs> um. But yeah, Denzel kind of like storms out, again, justifying that no one could have landed the plane like I did. And uh, he orders an orange juice at the bar. And I love this moment because it, it's so simple. But it's it's mostly shot on the one angle where you just see him and he's talking to an unseen bartender. And you just hear this, this voice from off screen say, just orange juice? And then he hesitates for a second. He's like, double stoli. Du- double stoli. Neat. <laughs> it's like, oh man, if that bartender hadn't done his job, he may have gotten out of there without that drink. Do you think that the reason why his drink of choice, he's, he drinks screwdrivers quite often. One, it could just be that it's an easy drink for a pilot to make, like vodka and orange juice. It's just something that they always have on, on the flights. go. But it could be because the drink is called a screwdriver. Maybe it's supposed to symbolize like this isn't fixing your problem. Screwdriver is a tool that's supposed to help you fix stuff. So I thought maybe he picked screwdriver specifically as a, a symbol for this isn't actually helping you. Well, we seem to get it in every episode, but I was not aware of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that makes sense to me. That's a nice little touch. I might have just been I did like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't help it. It's it's film analysis. It's what mm. you do. Yeah. Uh, it's what you get credit for in school, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshitting. He gets um, himself a hat. He, he polishes this off at the bar. Uh, he I think he gets a little sip first. He just kind of like takes a sip. And then, well, I'm back, baby. <laughs> he gets a fucking half gallon, and it he he puts it to his lips for a minute, like he puts some glugs on it. He's like Nick Cage and Mandy, just ah, ah, yeah, Oof. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, when he's drinking at the bar, I noticed that he uh, he has a little ritual with his his uh, napkin. He's like spinning the napkin, like yeah. sets it at a certain angle, and, like makes it neat and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we cut. Uh, this is an example of that like departed style editing, where it's like, okay, he had his drink. We don't need any more information. Let's cut to another scene. 
Um, and he's just in his car, so we don't see him purchase anything. But he just like throws a case of Budweiser in the passenger seat of his car, and a you said it was a gallon of vodka, half gallon. It's a half gallon half of vodka. Gallon. Either way, fuck. Yeah. But yeah, he just puts the whole thing to his lips, and it's, it's a jug. <laughs> it's... I I don't know how in depth you want to go with the next uh, fifteen minutes of the film, mm. but I can narrow it down for you real quick if this works. Sure. Uh, saves saves Nicole, bangs Nicole. I mean, that's essentially what happens throughout this. Uh... Uh, yeah, we that that works. <laughs> so he he drives to Nicole, and he's obviously pretty buzzed by the time he gets there. Yeah, you feeling um, good? Yeah, he's. You feeling all right? Go for dance. No, that's I'm all right. And I, I think he's probably all right. <laughs> I think he's all right. Um, but yeah, he he uh, rescues her from her land war. They go to the farmhouse. Um, she Dude, gives him a massage. And she, they bang. He is about to rape her, I believe. Oh no! No way, dude. He has a baseball His... bat. No, I no. thought it was going south of, yeah. Oh, you met the landlord. I thought yeah, you meant no, fucking Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> Denzel. No, I thought you meant Denzel. No, I was like, Jesus no, no, Christ, no, the Kyle. landlord. The, the oh. landlord was about to rape her. I mean, it looked like it was going somewhere. Yeah, I want to say no because he he has money he needs to get from her, and that's not how you get it. Mm. You get money with you get money with a bat, not with your dick, Kyle. <laughs> I think he's willing to trade at this point. Oh, and use the bat oh. to make sure the trade goes his way. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought was happening in the scene. Okay, your your bartering skills, your knowledge of bartering is don't far don't more. don't put that on me. I'm just saying. I've seen <laughs> movies where there's garbage. I didn't human do beings. the math. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've seen other movies where there's garbage human beings. It's like, have you seen a movie? <laughs> I know this works. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he he and uh, Nicole sleep together. Um, mm. I did like, he's drinking alone listening to music when she steps up to him and gives him a massage. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he is a he is molded to that lazy boy. Like he's practically immobile i don't know how he managed to have sex like he did not look ready to go he was not he was not a uh, supple leopard is it yeah supple leopard <laughs> he was not a supple leopard in that moment um but yeah uh we jump cut from the from her massaging him uh to post coitus he's admiring the view from behind and she's in bed uh and then he greets Don Cheadle at the door with a shotgun. Yeah. I didn't know who. I didn't realize it was Don Cheadle at first. I'm like, who's he going to shoot? Is it a reporter or something? I'm like, oh, it's just Don Cheadle. I mean, I think that was I think that was his logic in bringing the gun. It's like he like, "Oh shit, they found me." It's yeah. like, "No, it's just Don Cheadle." And everybody likes Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle's there to take him to the uh, crash. He has to show him something. Uh the Pentecostal people were the one that the ones that helped with the crash. Uh, and that's the church he destroyed, or the the top of the church that he hit. Um, they have no other. They're that they serve no other purpose in the movie. But we show them again down there. He's like, yeah, a little congregation of people down there. When you crash, they came and helped. But I'm like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? I think it's supposed to be a visual reminder, or okay. like it's just a, it's just a throwaway line in there that's like, hey, you know, road to redemption and whatnot. Maybe you should be paying attention to things like this he says he's gonna he, he gets a lot of reminders like that about like the hand of fate and and this, faith and whatnot 
uh, Don Cheadle is going to try to get into his case that the plane crash was an act of God. Like it was just mm-hmm. something that couldn't be, that couldn't be stopped. Um, but he tells him like, listen, you, they're going to, I'm going to try to get your toxicology report out, but no drinking, like no going to bars, no being seen at bars. People are going to be, you know, trying to get footage of you. Like none of that shit. And he's like, all right, fine. Um, <laughs> He's like, this, yeah, he's like, he tells him, like, you have a program you can get into? And he's like, I can do it. Don't fucking worry about it. I got it. Yeah, this is not the first and last time in the film where Denzel will be offered assistance and refuse. When he falls off the wagon, I could not stop laughing. Oh, <laughs> I, I think that sequence is hilarious. It's so It's true. actually one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. That's mm-hmm. that's where I was like, okay, come on, Robert Zemeckis. What are you getting at here? Is it is it good or not good? What What is it? <laughs> Well, and it's, I think it's like edited in such a way that's like it, you can't help but laugh. Yeah, okay, I so I was supposed to laugh. Okay, well, we're no, gonna... I think so. I think so. Um, I think the next oh. scene is Don Cheadle actually talking about. Oh, sorry, uh, Don Cheadle actually talking about getting the test results uh, thrown out. Yeah, we cut to a baseball field where the owner, of the airline, and a yeah. boardroom are. Uh, they're all talking about Denzel, who is sitting in like the waiting room outside. I thought this was they the... can. I thought this was the union guy, the head of the union, the pilots' union. Uh, I I distinctly recall the line, "I never wanted that fucking airline," <laughs> by a heavy set gentleman. But wouldn't that mean um, that like he didn't want to? He didn't want the pilots to be working with that union, or because I feel like sure. the, the I feel like the they wouldn't disclose to the airline, uh, the head of the airline, that he's mm-hmm. a drinker and a known drinker. I think they're. I think he's a part of the union. That the, makes the sense. union rep. Yeah, because Ellen Block is the head of the investigation for the airline. Yeah, who come who comes in later? Actually, she's introduced when we go back to the crash site, which yeah, we just, he, yeah, we just he, she's introduced at a distance. So it's yeah. like the the movie doesn't have an antagonist, but she's like being set up to be that. Yeah, uh, because you. Uh, sounds like you were fooled, like thinking this was going to be like a trial movie. It's like it's really not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, you being you know a person who's fascinated by that kind of stuff, it was probably a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. Um, and also, my God, he had this thing wrapped up. All you had to do was lie. He had one more lie to tell. That was it. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we're we're in the middle of this this boardroom meeting, and uh, this is where Don Cheadle has his line about dismissing the deaths of the crew members because mm-hmm. they're a non-factor in the investigation. Um, so we're only talking about four victims instead of six because of that. And it's really interesting because they're all talking about Denzel, who is seated like just outside the boardroom, and we can see him through like a glass door, and he's just hanging out there while we're talking about his fucking eventual fate. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So we're, like, planning for the, the trial to come. Um, it's also mentioned here that Denzel was a pilot in the Navy, and he is a heavy drinker. Um, and Don Cheadle is exceedingly confident that the toxicology report will be quashed. Um, and like you said, he has a lot of he has a lot backing this. Like, mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking airtight. And even his facial expressions kind of tell us that. It's like, yeah, I got that part figured out. Um, and then there's a choice line, though, where the, like, the owner... Or the, like the head of the of the pilots union throws it out there. It's like, does does Whip know he's going to jail? And it's like, oh shit! Like I guess they're they've kind of settled on the fact that it's like, yeah, he's probably probably not going to end up well for him. But this is an example of like a institution doing whatever it takes to preserve itself, kind mm-hmm. 
um, which unfortunately is a thing that happens quite a bit. Um, and immediately following this exchange, though, the, the head of the union walks out and introduces himself to Denzel, and we get a trailer line where he's like, I hear you're some kind of pilot, which is kind of a cool line, but what makes it what makes it interesting is that he just came off he just came out of a conversation basically like talking about throwing this guy out like garbage kind of it's like now he's pretending that's like oh you're i i admire your skills as a pilot you did a great service to your country or whatever it's like (laughs) you're going to jail (laughs) i know that maybe you don't though um and then we go back to the the farmhouse and denzel is drunk off his ass drunk as fuck (laughs) Uh, I think he's holding a fifth of Jim Beam or what's left of it. I'm pretty sure he's putting this down in one sitting, like the majority of this bottle, I'm going to assume. You think? My God, he is sloppy drunk. Yeah, he, sloppy drunk. he goes to stand up and just Chris Farley <laughs> just straight onto the floor. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I, mean that's Tommy I don't mean like the actual. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Tommy oh, Boy. no, no. I know exactly. You're talking about when he's still in college. Yeah, know? where he just... <laughs> just <laughs> yeah i love uh, how it happens mid-sentence yeah <laughs> he's doing the handstand um, bong rip <laughs> but yeah he is he's barely coherent like it's interesting because i watched this movie with subtitles on and like he's the, he's doing the thing where i think he isn't aware of the fact that his sentences aren't being finished mm-hmm. so he starts a sentence or like finishes a sentence by verbalizing it and then it's your job to fill in the blanks mm. because he he's just so gone that he doesn't know what words are coming out of him or what words are just in his head. Uh, but yeah, he collapses on the fucking table, and there are a lot of bottles that go all over the place. Um, and it just so happened that he was sitting watching uh, home movies mm. of his son playing like catch with his his dad, so his this his son's grandpa, um, and it's. It feels like a legit home home movie where it has that weird vibe to it where it's like there's tension in the air because you can hear Denzel from behind the camera but he's not visible in the frame and like the the kids like kind of being asked to perform for the camera and you can tell he's maybe not super into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really love the the touch of having a uh, a small LCD television on top of a, an old CRT. Oh yeah. And like, there's a VCR still hooked up to it. I was like, Oh man, that's, that's, that's an old, that's an old timer's house. That's yeah. great. <laughs> that's gam gam's house. Um, but yeah, uh, it's the morning and Nikki is shooting photos and she's like, you had a rough night. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. He kind of like brushes it off. Yeah. I just called um, this porch and- bullshit. Yeah, he claims to have thrown out the remaining booze in the house, so this would be him doing that for the second time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sadly, I think that is actually true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a push-and-pull process. Um, and, yeah, this is basically porch bullshit. All we really learned is his dad was a Tuskegee Airman and uh, used to have a crop-dusting business, and uh, now now his dad is dead. And long story short, Whip was married, is no longer. He misses his family. Yeah. And... Uh, we, it's reiterated to us that Nikki's mom died of cancer and she doesn't really know her dad. Um, and then we cut to uh, Trina's funeral. Yeah, this is his one of his biggest piece of shit moves in the movie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the Margaret's, like, he doesn't, I don't think he actually, he was in, like, an outside, the, like, the doors of the church, like, during the service, and some little kid comes up to like, hey, you saved my mom's life. And it was Marge's, uh, Marge's kid, and they have an exchange where she kind of, like, and does she thank him for saving their lives or something like that? But she has like a moment, but she's like, yeah, he asks like, are they talking to you at all? She's like, yeah, they've been questioning me about this whole thing. Like she doesn't yeah, know what's she, coming. She extends an invitation to a counseling There group. you go, yeah. And again, like as is his, you know, as is his MO, he, he refuses. And it's just this really heartfelt exchange between, you know, two people who are grieving, her more visibly so. Um, but then the conversation takes a turn and I really loved her acting here because you can read it on her face where she's just like, you piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. You are the worst human being. It's a lie, whip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so basically he reveals, he, his hand is played basically. He, he reveals that the reason why he's there is because he's trying to intercept her before the investigators interview her because he wants her to lie and say it was a normal morning i did not have anything to drink or do anything salacious or anything before the flight she also can't prove it though that's the thing like did you think that he was drunk well i didn't see him pour anything i didn't see that he was visibly intoxicated so it doesn't even really matter but now he's just aggravating her yeah and he he uh makes it even worse like the maybe the worst thing he tries here is so she's like resistant because she doesn't want to lie um, and he pulls her son into the mm. into the situation. He's like, "Imagine your son on the plane, Ooh. and imagine me not being there to save him." It's like, "Oh my god, you fucking dick!" <laughs> yeah, that is low. Yeah. So um, now he's nervous about that. Doesn't he pick up yeah. uh, uh, Nicole from the grocery store? She's yeah. Mar- Margaret reluctantly agrees to. She gives him like a "What do I have to say?" And I, I, I did love that he just, like, kisses her and, like, immediately just zips the fuck out. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm not going to hang around. I'm not going to talk anymore. Like, you said yes. I'm going to hold you that. Goodbye. Um, but, yeah, contract. he picks it. <laughs> it's a verbal contract. I'm going to hold you that. Witness. And <laughs> point at the sun. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Witness. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he picks up Nikki at her new gig. She works at a grocery store. Um, and he receives a mustang zippo a p51 mustang zippo as a gift from her and she invites him to go to an aa meeting and i like that like he wants to like celebrate i don't i don't know exactly what that means but he's pretty excited about it because she got a new job and whatnot and she's like yeah no i think i want to go to this aa meeting you can come though and like his face just sinks where he's like that sounds terrible (laughs) Um, yeah, and then we go for, to the AA meeting. Yeah, he's there for uh, a New York minute, and uh, he's pretty much out of there. Uh, they ask. I, rec- what, what? Uh, I recognize the actor who is at the podium at the meeting, but I don't. I can't put a name to him. But I've seen him in something before. He played an asshole. I didn't <laughs> recognize him. Yeah. Um, yeah. They ask. Uh, he's like, I'm an alcoholic. He does the. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Bill. Yeah. And he's like, anybody else in here an alcoholic? And everybody raises their hand except for DW. Uh, yeah. Whip Whip is not an alcoholic, and he ain't listening to this shit. Yeah, he storms out of there, but like during the whole sequence, the camera's just floating around him, and he just looks yeah. embittered. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to quit drinking. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He probably enjoys it. Um, but uh, 
especially with the subtitles, like points start to get really hammered home here where the, the guy at the podium is telling a joke at first and then he tells a story and there's like a choice line here where my life just became a series of lies strung together. It's like the camera is transfixed on Denzel while this is all being said. It's like, get it? <laughs> it's like, for you idiots in the cheap seats, do you get it? You get Maybe it? he's talking about Denzel's situation. Um, but I did like that Like Denzel immediately takes off to a bar. And before he can place an order or anything, he just sees on the TV like Piers Morgan interviewing the co-pilot who is awoke, like awake from the coma now. He's woke. And... Yeah, he is woke, and Denzel immediately takes off, um, probably for a variety of reasons. Like, maybe he doesn't want to be recognized in the bar, and also, like, oh, shit, that's another person that can, like, talk shit about me. I better stamp this shit out. (laughs) And then we go to the hospital, and uh, this was a very strange scene. There's a weird mood to it. Yeah, this is really dumb. It it goes from... So he he walks in. There's a, a nurse working with the two of them, like working with him, and they, the pilot and his wife, they just stop dead in their tracks like a deer and just stare at him and like you got a, like look at him like you got a lot of nerve coming in here, for what you pulled saving everybody and everything, um, but they he asks like the the nurse to excuse herself, and they're just like, like just glaring at him like I've got broken pelvis, probably never gonna walk again. Yeah, folks, you can't see Kyle's face, but he's doing it perfectly. Just, like he has exactly the right kind of angry face. Just cra- <laughs> he's got crazy eyes on this dude, and like both the, of them. The wife looks like she's about to jump over the bed and just strangle him. Um, the, yeah, I'm like, the, he's kind of like, well, what do you remember from the crash? He's like, I remember everything up to when we crashed. So he's like, fuck, he like remembers everything, and he <laughs> suffered a concussion too. So it could have been very possible he could have forgotten everything that happened. He's like, nope, remember it all, motherfucker. And it's just kind of like you feel like this is gonna be the person that's gonna cause it. Like he's the one that's gonna snitch on him, and then it just mm-hmm. turns out of nowhere into yep. this was. I'm like, this makes no sense. Uh, he's like, <laughs> this was a celebration of life. Uh, praise Jesus. <laughs> yeah, his his wife has three lines in this entire movie, and all of them, all of them are basically praise, praise Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, praise Jesus. Um, uh, the pilot uses, uh, no, DW uses the phrase "lucky to be alive," I think, and she he interrupts and says, "Blessed, blessed to be alive." To be alive. <laughs> and then, yeah, co-pilot uh, mentions that it's like this was a celebration of life, not death. And then, praise Jesus, and yes. then she gives one more. Um, but yeah, this whole sequence is really uncomfortable because the first half of it, you're like, oh shit, is this going to be, like you said, like the monkey wrench that gets thrown into things? Um, so is he, acknowledge- I did like- is he acknowledging that that was a freak accident that happened and Denzel pulled them out? Or was it Denzel caused the crash and therefore killed the four people and ruined his life? Because it seems... I think, I think he's acknowledging that the incident itself was like fate basically like it was it was just a foregone conclusion it was going to happen and then it i think he's attributing his survival to denzel despite utterly disapproving of his lifestyle and everything he he did in the in the pilot's chair yeah okay maybe uh uh, anyway sorry go ahead Uh, the point the point is like like 
there, it's referenced several times in the movie about this this concept of a higher power, of greater powers being at work. Um, like with James Badgedale, it's the same deal. Um, with the co-pilot, it seems to be the same deal. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of repetition of that. Um, I did like that uh, when we first enter that room, um, the nurse is obscuring the co-pilot's uh, lower half. And when she's asked to leave is when we get the reveal of his leg just like utterly mangled mm-hmm. and i don't even know what you call that that armature it's it looks nasty though it has a lot of pins in it um so he's pretty fucked up and he's never gonna walk again probably um but yeah the the scene ends after this really tense conversation of a co-pilot basically making it known that he didn't he didn't tell anyone anything about denzel's condition in the in the pilot's chair so he made no reference to him being intoxicated or anything like that um, and then they all pray together, and I like that we have this sustained shot of Denzel looking very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like he he sits down to pray with them because they just did him a huge solid. Yeah. But he's just like, uh, I mean, based on the things he's done just in the past day, you should feel like a shitbag. Now you should feel like a double shitbag. <laughs> but um, cut to the garage, and Denzel is working on the plane. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he's drunk. (laughs) And, yeah, Nikki comes home, and uh, he starts telling her this rambling drunk story about flying to Jamaica with John Goodman. And uh, he wants to take her there in the morning. It's like, uh, don't you have, like, uh, obligations, (laughs) like, legal obligations? (laughs) That was something that I was gonna, I was gonna mention, like, this, this is where the movie starts getting, it got a little predictable for me, because as I was taking notes, uh, the thing was happening in the scene. Uh, I'm like, why didn't they consider him a flight risk? I mean, if he's looking at, like, do you think they would have, because the hearing isn't a court case, so I guess he's not being prosecuted. Uh, but I think if he was being prosecuted, he would be a flight risk because when he's a pilot and he has a plane, um, you would think that they would maybe address that now early on. Like, like they've told him like, you could be facing up to life in prison. Like that would scare me. Like if I'm a pilot, it's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a pilot, I'm like, I might be leaving the country if that's the case. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, I don't know how that works, but you would think given given the situation, given the loss of human life and whatnot, like, like liability concerns and stuff, you would think, yeah, they, they would lock him down. Yeah, if I was like, the even if he is, Even if he isn't a flight risk, it's just like, no, like yeah. you need to be held accountable and you need to be where, be here. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, but yeah, this conversation quickly takes a turn um, because she makes the mistake of uh, bringing up rehab to a drunk person. Um, and I actually, this is a very uncomfortable scene, but I, I really like it because it, it's like, it feels very genuine. Um, just because of the quick turn he makes here where he starts out, he's all like loose and fun and he wants to, he's like, yeah, let's fly to Jamaica and whatnot. It'll be great. Um, but as soon as she brings up rehab, like boom, he gets indignant Mad, and belligerent. Yeah. yeah. And he throws things like awful things at her. Like awful I don't suck thing. dick to get high. Yeah. And, and he keeps reiterating that it's like, I embrace it. I choose to drink. And I got an ex-wife and a son I never talked to because I choose to drink. And, yeah, just his his tone and just how he, he just gets really nasty and bitter 
it's like the it's it's ugly but man it, it worked for me um and god damn it denzel's very good at being drunk and being an asshole for that mm-hmm. matter like as much yeah. as people talk about loving denzel it's like have you really paid attention to the characters he plays he's an arrogant like he's usually asshole. Ki- yeah. he's usually kind of a dick but, but those, i love it but see, i like where he's <laughs> being bad that's why I, I you finally watched american gangster right oh yeah see that's where he kind of toes the line between bad guy and good guy but training i love training day is his best movie i, I, I like american gangster the best but his best role i think is training day where he's playing a bad I, person i think so yeah. uh, i really loved him in glory also um He's a smaller yeah, character. Yeah, he's a minor that, role, surprisingly. But holy shit, he steals the show. Um, there's, it's not a good movie, but I've brought it up before. It's called Ricochet. Mm. Um, I want an excuse to make you watch it because I think it would be a lot of fun to talk about. It's Denzel versus John Lithgow. Oh. Um, and it's it's about it's called Ricochet because it's about a, a up and coming hitman, John Lithgow, and Denzel, a beat cop coming together at an early point in their careers john lithgow goes to prison denzel becomes nearly the da so it's like they touched each other they bounced off each other and they went down these completely opposite paths like one fell hard one rose to prominence Mm -hmm. and that's about john lithgow seeking revenge and it is batshit crazy uh ice t gets involved jesse ventura's in there it's fun. Hmm. I love it. <laughs> it's, I'm going to guess 1994. Uh, you might be right. It might be slightly earlier. Okay. Like like 91 or something. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. Because uh, all those names that you just said, I'm like, that is a below 97 movie. I mean, yeah, th- this was definitely Jesse Ventura when he needed his SAG card for healthcare benefits. <laughs> John Lithgow and Denzel Washington in the same movie. I'm like, that is an early 90s film. Put, the, put it this way. I think this was before he did Cliffhanger. Gotcha. So John Lithgow was still regarded as a bad guy as opposed to the third rock from the sun dad. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, He's not we, even the oldest. Do you know who the oldest alien is out of the, that group? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Frank. He's the oldest one. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He's the oldest. That character. was like in the early seasons. That was like a a running gag where it's like the the one in the young person's body is actually the old one. And then uh, I forget the gal's name, but she's a man. She's um, funny. She's I, very funny. Like she's very funny. I, I like just, that show. I, like I just like that show. She popped up in Modern Family for an episode. I always like when I when she pops up and stuff. But she was really funny on Modern Family. Oh wow. I'm I'm glad to hear that because she I can't recall anything else she did but I liked her in that. It's been a while. Oh, wasn't she in like one of the Austin? Powers oh, she was. I've fallen a I've fallen a hump yeah. a lot. Yes. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we go back to the farmhouse after our exchange in the garage, and Denzel confesses that he was drunk when the plane crashed. So finally, he admits it to somebody, somebody who doesn't matter to the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um. And he mentions that he could go to jail, and he straight up says like he wants to leave with her, like he wants to flee, basically, yeah. maybe take flight, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she keeps pushing him away because she feels that like being around him might prompt her to start using drugs again. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah, there's probably a high probability of that because, uh, yeah, he's kind of depressing to be around. And what do you do when you're down? It's like, well, maybe retreat verbally abusive when he's in a bad mood when he's drinking 
Yeah, he's not a pleasant person to be around, and that's not a good that's not a good space to be in if you're a recovering addict. We get a um, uh, we get a Forrest Gump bang and leave. Uh, I don't know if banging occurred. I think um, he had his shirt off in the morning. I think they banged, but you're okay. it, it could have. We could say he didn't, but I took it as a, a Forrest Gump bang and leave. But, but yeah, she she does leave in the morning despite seeming to like. They have this awkward embrace where we can see a close-up of her face, and it's like she's holding him, but she's also pushing him away at the same time, um, unbeknownst to him. Um, but she leaves him a note of some sort and takes off. Um, and then uh, he's pretty disappointed <laughs> that she's gone because he gets a phone call in the morning, and he tosses a bottle in rage. <laughs> um, I was waiting for that in this whole movie. Mm. <laughs> it's like somebody needs to throw a bottle at something. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> like, if we're going to do this much drinking... Um, and then, for some reason, the music turns into the score from uh, Resident Evil 2, the video game. <laughs> it has this, like, intense piano vibe to it. Um, and we are drinking, I think it's vodka in an, in orange juice, but it's in, like, a, a sport drink yeah, bottle. It's, it's a, like, it's a, a water bottle. <laughs> yeah, a sports water bottle. Yeah, it looks bad. <laughs> like, that looks suspect. That's the most suspect, because you're not supposed to have orange juice. You're supposed to have... Like, either some kind of Gatorade-looking liquid or water. <laughs> Not orange Yeah, juice. and, you know, repeatedly shaking it and then, like, getting sloppy drunk <laughs> as as the conversation progresses is probably a bit of a red flag. Um, but, yeah, he pulls up to a giant hangar, and this is a cool set because uh, basically it's, it's, like, a giant hangar. It's a white interior, and they have reconstructed the crash site, basically. So they've moved the plane and all of its components, like broken or otherwise into the hangar and arrange them on the floor because uh, we're conducting an investigation we need to investigate the aircraft itself um and uh charlie and uh don Cheadle's character they uh they step out of the plane and they are hyped as fuck like mm-hmm. shockingly enough you would not expect them to be in high spirits but they are and why is that kyle because they've won apparently uh, he got yeah. the toxicology report um, uh, wiped out, so they basically can't prove that he was drinking. All he has to do is say, I wasn't drinking. It was an act of God, like something malfunctioned in the plane, and his maneuver was the only reason why everybody's still alive. So basically, it's an open to shut case. The only problem is there was no beverages served on that flight, uh, yet they found two vodka bottles in the trash can, to which Denzel says, why did they find two? I drank three. Uh, which I, I'm assuming as a lawyer you don't want to hear. I don't need to know that because if you don't tell me, if you don't tell me you were drinking, I don't know that. So I have to tell mm-hmm. you. So I can tell you, tell him you weren't drinking because you have not disclosed that information to me. Now you've now you've given me that information. Now if you get caught lying on the stand, it's gonna look really really bad. See, Kyle, you could have played that role. You could have been Don Cheadle. <laughs> you could have been Don Cheadle, but better because you'd like push back. I'm like la, 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 la. I don't care what you. I don't care what. Don't tell me if you're if you're guilty or not. I don't care. Don't tell me. Here's how the case is gonna go. See, in a different movie, I think that would actually be really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Cheadle admits that, like, despite Denzel being an utter prick. Um, in every exchange he's had with him, by the way, um, Cheadle does admit that Denzel was the only person that could have done what he did. Um, 
but Whip is starting to get impatient here because he's starting to get the sense that this inve- investigation is more about protecting the Union than anything else. How, though? Like he, uh, that's what I don't understand. This is about protecting you. I'm like, no, no, no. They're trying to keep you from going to prison. So if it is to keep the union safe, I guess their their interest, their self-interest is your interest as well. So what does it matter? If their goal is to keep it hushed for them and you don't go to prison, it's fine. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> so don't make a big deal about it. Yeah, it it's it's a muddled message but i think i think this is more just about the character having a guilt complex like i mean there's a reason like imposter syndrome is like this fucking massive problem with our generation it's just it's it's too easy to feel like you've you've received too much for too little basically and in this character's case at every turn he's been given a break like every every one of these intense conversations he he feels like he should be having where people should be condemning him and shitting all over him end up going very smoothly he's jerry seinfeld he breaks even (laughs) like regardless of his current relationship situation next week it'll be all right he'll find another gal Mm -hmm. it always works out for him (laughs) um but that's that's like punishing in its own way for for denzel's character it's like he's he's he keeps expecting this punch to come that just won't and it's driving him nuts um so at this point he's not making a whole lot of sense like the things that he's lashing out about don't make a whole lot of sense but i think it's just overall just a sense of guilt and feeling a lot of pain because there's an expectation that some sort of punishment will come raining down on him but just it's just not happening yeah um um, and then he uh, he takes off, and there's there's this moment here where again the the editing gets pretty snappy here, where he he steps out and he gives a a, a chunky fuck you to everyone in that room. Um, in fact, that's what we cut from is him stepping past Bruce Greenwood and saying fuck you, Charlie. And then he and then boom, he's in the car, and uh, his car like dips into this mud hole and sprays mud everywhere. It's just this really intense cut. I really love it. Um, but he pulls up to the crash site to the church. Um, which I think is probably supposed to be symbolic, I guess. Like he's getting ready to go to church or something. Like maybe confess or like I don't know, take a take a step towards bettering himself or something. But uh, the press is all gathered there, and the moment he sees them, he pulls a UB and just like jets the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even stop. Um, and then he pays a visit to his wife and son, and this is a rough scene. Yeah. Um, Again, I liked it. I, I hate to say it, I liked it. Um, it's a very brief. It's a very brief scene, but very similar to him in the garage with Nikki. Um, it feels way too genuine. Like it feels very real. Like somebody, somebody on the set had this conversation in this tone. Because um, yeah, as soon as he steps in there, like he's he's very sheepish and like trying to play nice and stuff, and his wife lets him in, ex-wife. Um, He's like, oh yeah, like I was in this accident, you know. We haven't talked. I feel like, you know, I feel like we should we should re- reconnect or something. And then she asks him, like, have you been drinking? And like, she's really aggressive in her tone and very much like Nikki bringing up rehab. Like as soon as that comes out, like his tone shifts. Like he looks at his watch and he starts talking to an audience that isn't there. Like 
you know, he makes a big fucking show of it. Like 17 seconds, actually 17 seconds until my wife asked me about my drinking. Like, ladies and gentlemen, my wife's asking me about my drinking. It's like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, you're such a piece of shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, his eventually his son comes down the stairs. And uh, oh, yeah. And also there's mention of like get out and his response is leave the house that i paid for it's like god damn it you were you're such a drunk piece of shit but his son comes down the stairs and uh oh man the, this line he gives his son about like he calls him the man of the house and then before his son can even respond he follows it up with it's like a one-two punch like thanks for calling me back as in you didn't call me and i'm upset about that mm-hmm. um and then uh his parting shot though is to like violently embrace his son a couple times Mm -hmm. um yeah it's very uncomfortable and he like whispers in his ear like you don't know who the fuck i am and it's like but he has this weird smile on his face so like he's just emotionally just all over the place in this sequence Mm -hmm. um but again like i'm not doing it justice but uh very skillfully acted sequence i think anyway Mm -hmm. i don't don't know what your thoughts were it was good um, but yeah, he steps out of the house. He well, he gets pushed out of the house basically, and then the press swarms him. And uh, sure enough, he he sobers up real quick, and he has very smooth, like very political answers for the press. And um, we cut to like news footage of him conducting this interview, and you can you can overhear one of the anchors saying, like referring to him as a quiet, heroic man. <laughs> it's like that is grossly inaccurate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he goes to Charlie, um, and finally has has a moment where he he asked for a little bit of help. Uh, he hides at Charlie's house for like nine days or something. But I liked his exchange with uh, Bruce Greenwood here. <laughs> Charlie is pissed; <laughs> like he is not happy with Whip. <laughs> he keeps mentioning that's like, man, I was the only one who went to bat for you, and look what you fucking did. God aid. <laughs> but um. Yeah, there's a passage of time here, though, where, where we skip ahead nine days. And uh, I did like that the, the camera zeroes in on a... They're walking in a hotel. And uh, the camera zeroes in on Denzel's hand holding a can of Coke. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's accurate. That's what that looks yeah. like. <laughs> um, so he hasn't been drinking in nine days. Congratulations, Whip. Um, and then uh, we put him in the hotel room uh, because we're getting ready for the hearing, which is in the morning. 10 a.m. We got to be there. And Don Cheadle and Bruce Greenwood are both pretty positive here. It's a little bit tense. Like, we're, we're not quite, you know, we're, we're a little nervous. But at the same time, it's like, we finally got here. It's like, all we need to do is make it to tomorrow. <laughs> and so This is where I wrote down, like, yeah. he's obviously going to confess. Like, I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life. He's going to <laughs> confess. They're not going to find out anything. He's going to confess. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's a super big surprise. <laughs> but um, I did like the lead-up to it, though, quite a bit. Um, so we get this really drawn-out sequence. of It's just a lackadaisical montage of him trying to keep busy in, mm-hmm. in this really boring hotel room. So he's, like, watching TV, he's eating, he's smoking on the toilet, which, is that a thing, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, you, can, you smoke in hotel bathrooms, yeah. What you do is you okay. turn on the shower, turn on the vents, and you put a towel down, uh, towel down in front of the door. 
Okay, yeah. No, actually, now that you mentioned it, I can see it in my head. He actually did all of those things. Shower on, for sure. Because he can't leave, um. and he's got to be able to smoke. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a really nice hotel. And he's it also is. not paying the bill, I don't think, so. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get an interesting moment, though, where he hears a noise, and it just Oh, so he checks the minibar. That... He checks his minibar, and it's all, yes. like, soda and water and all that stuff. No, no I actually really like the, the filmmaking there, because we do, like, a slow push-in on the minibar, and, mm-hmm. like, you, he lingers on it, and then he opens it, and you're, at that point, we, the viewer, are like, oh, shit, here it comes. Mm-hmm. And then he opens it, and it's like, ta-da, it's nothing but Coke and Snapple. Aren't those the same company? <laughs> Who fronted the bill for this film, I wonder. Um, but yeah, uh, so he crisis averted in that moment. However, uh, he hears a noise, and it just so happens that the adjoining room is unlocked. So he goes to that weird door that, like, as a kid, you're always like, I want to go mess with that door. It's like, no, don't. <laughs> like that, That's the neighbor's door. <laughs> like, that goes to another person's business. <laughs> um, and the door is rattling. Like, it's bouncing off. Of, like, it's bouncing because uh, there's a breeze coming into that room. So he just invites himself in there, says hello. No way's in there. Um, and he steps out onto the balcony where the window's open. He sees a plane in flight. It's a nice little shot, probably extraneous. Doesn't really need to be there, but it's lovely. Uh, but then he turns around and he sees the minibar. And he opens this one, and it is fully stocked with the booze. And we get an, an Alton Brown camera angle. Where it's, Do you know what I'm talking about, Kyle? Um, was it? I think it was Good Eats, the Food Network show. Basically, he was a cinematographer, I think, by trade, and then he became a TV chef. So his his show always had weird camera work and editing and stuff just to keep him entertained. So he had this camera angle where he it's from the interior of the refrigerator facing outward. Mm-hmm. So you have to like carve out the back of the fridge, basically, to put the camera rig in there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just a shot from inside the fridge. And uh, he grabs a bottle of vodka, he opens it, he sniffs it, but then he puts the cap back on. And he places it on the counter. And we get this goofy slow motion shot of his hand like swooping into the frame and snatching the bottle up. And we even get a, like a ting sound when he grabs it. Mm. It's really cheesy. Um, but, you know, effective, I guess, on some level. Um, but then we cut to the morning. And our boys, Bruce Greenwood and Don Cheadle, are heading in to check on Whip. And uh, they, they have some banter with the the policeman seated out front the door is supposed to be posted up guarding it and we keep knocking we keep knocking and (laughs) nobody's answering it (laughs) and we finally get the door open and it is utter chaos it Um, is he has gone through this entire (laughs) mini fridge of booze the entire thing um it is a fucking like when i saw them like come in there like mother fucker <laughs> i just could not stop laughing oh no i think this i think this sequence is legitimately hilarious like i laugh i laugh pretty loud and hard at the sequence they, because just it feels like it's out of like a tarantino movie or something yeah it looks like the crazy 88 just lost all their limbs like in this room <laughs> uh, well and don Cheadle is such a skilled comic actor that he makes it work because like he comes in there and it's like ah shit shit, (laughs) but then his response to his response to seeing him like by the way whip 
somehow banged his head on the toilet yeah. and is collapsed on the floor in the bathroom. Is he dead? And Don Cheadle, Don, is he dead? <laughs> oh no, is he dead? <laughs> uh, my first thought when I when they saw him on the floor, I'm like, get this man some cocaine. And uh, turns sure out, enough, that's yeah. a, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't didn't think they were actually gonna do that. Denzel channeled something when when that comes up. It, it always makes me laugh because like they haul him up from the bathroom and like put him in bed. And by the way, the Rolling Stones are playing here. Yeah. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and it's it's perfect music choice. I, I have to say. Um, but they throw him on the bed and he's just like slumped over on his side, like unable to carry his own weight. And they're like, "Oh shit, what do we do?" And they're all pacing around. The camera's all handheld and like the energy's out of control. And you just hear Denzel, like, from the corner of his mouth, just kind of spit out, mm, Dan Harley. <laughs> it's like, what? He got cocaine. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's just his, he knows what to do. Yeah. Like, he got cocaine. <laughs> so he they call John Goodman, and he shows up with his utility bag. And he has maybe his one good solid moment of comedy here. Do not touch the merch, motherfucker. <laughs> The entire room goes silent because you and I have both mentioned this before, I think. John Goodman's a big guy. Yeah, he's big. Like, if he turns on you, you pay attention. Yeah, the reason why 10 Cloverfield Lane was terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That movie is very good. I I don't know how I feel about that ending. I like the ending. I like the silliness of it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually. It's fitting that we're talking about a Robert Zemeckis movie because it had the exact same ending as Castaway. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know how I feel about it, but the lead up to it is excellent, mm. excellent. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that movie in a lot of ways. But yeah, uh, do not touch the merch, motherfucker. And then the music cuts the moment he snaps at everybody. Um, and he is directing traffic. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, what what is his solution to uh, the predicament that we've gotten ourselves into? We got to get him primed up. So uh, he has to he gets him. He's like, I need. Uh, credit card, $100 bill. He's like, I have a 20. That'll work. Uh, and then he has to get a glass of water as well. So he gets, um, he gives him two little, two little uh, lines to just like, like out on his mirror that he owns. Uh, he also has a carrying case for his own straw, his own, <laughs> his own straw. Uh, he also gets a cigarette and puts, what, what's he call it? What's this? Cocoa Puff. Cocoa Puff, which... Cocoa Puff. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anybody doing that. I'm sure it's a thing. Um, you take the... T- like, one of them knows exactly... I think Don Cheadle knows exactly what it is. He's just like, yeah, you got to take the, the, the little bit of tobacco out of the tip. You put some cocaine in it. He primes them up with an, a bump in each nose, basically. And then I think he lights up the... Or he gives him two more lines and then has him smoke the Cocoa Puff. Like he takes a hit of the Cocoa Puff. I do like John Goodman's line after he gets going. He goes, y'all are up. <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the narcs, basically. And they're just like, yeah. no. like ah, all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he, uh, like, yeah. And Denzel is good to go. Uh, he gets up and gets moving. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you, brother. Shit, I'm back. Shit, I'm back. <laughs> uh, and then he charges them for the cocaine. Obviously, he's like, it's like 250 bucks. Like he, like he charms, charges like. No, it was like five. Was it five hundred? He charges an arm and a leg. It was like, it was like five hundred bucks, and he leaves them with like a gram of more cocaine. Yeah, he's, like, he's going <laughs> he's to gonna need, need it. it. <laughs> um, the I personally love Don Cheadle pulling out the money and handing it to Bruce Greenwood. He's like, pay him the money. <laughs> I'm not, I love that. Yeah, I'm not that was one. a nice touch. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not paying for this shit. Yeah, 
Lawyer. Well, I mean, he is a man of the law. Yeah, he know, he, he knows. knows how this shit works. I didn't exchange <laughs> any money for drugs. It was given to exactly. me. Exactly. That would depend on what is is. Um, but yeah, uh, we get a reprise of the uh, feeling all right <laughs> sequence. Yeah. Uh, I also thought this was pretty funny because you know the Joe Cocker song comes back on and Denzel marches out of the room like he is the hottest shit in town like he just he looks cool Mm -hmm. but he's got sunglasses on at 9 (laughs) a.m and and blood coming out of his fucking nose Mm -hmm. but you know i think the music is meant to like represent his his current mindset or something it's like yep feeling all right (laughs) it's it's like no you look like shit (laughs) you're barely holding it together um yeah we step into the elevator head to the hearing and uh, the music cuts out as soon as the doors close. And uh, Don Cheadle points out to Denzel that, hey, your face is fucked because you, <laughs> you banged your head on the toilet. <laughs> so he's you got a bloody nose and he gives him like a rag. Um, and then we get some uh, very heavy-handed filmmaking on display here where he look he looks up, you know, to he puts his head back to take care of his nose. And uh, the ceiling has a mirror on it. So we get a reflective moment for our conflicted character where he has to stare back at himself in the, in his reflection. Uh, and there's also a child in the elevator that shoots him some troubling looks. Um, I mean, I would too if I saw like a guy with a bloody nose in public. Like, <laughs> Denzel or not, that's suspect. Um, but yeah, we head to the hearing and we're introduced to Ellen Block, the lead investigator, played by Melissa Leo, who... I've only seen her in a couple of things, but I really like her. Like, I think she's a very talented actress. I've, Have you seen I've her in stuff? I've never seen her before in my life. I didn't think she was anybody. I thought she was just, like, just one of the, just a, like, for this role. I thought she was just, like, a random actress. Well, I mean, that's a credit to her as an actress, because she's a bit of a chameleon, as far as I can tell. Like, she can do whatever you ask her to. Um, and the way she conducts herself in the sequence, she seems like legitimately like maybe she has a background with legal investigations or something because it's very clinical but she puts a little bit of a spin on it she's a chameleon so she's like the female jim belushi is that what you're is that what you're getting at (laughs) (laughs) jim belushi character actor of of our time man of a million man of a million faces (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah um you've have you seen the fighter Wait, okay. yes, yes, she, I have, yes, she, I have. She's the mom. Oh, okay. Like I said, chameleon. Yeah. Like, you would not recognize her. I had no she's clue She's totally different. Wow. Exactly. Um, and funny enough, she ends up being in those Equalizer movies with Denzel in a very small role, but maybe they hit it off on the set or something. Who knows? Like, five fucking people, have, I guess, have hit it off with Denzel because around the IMDb, they're like, this is a reuniting of Denzel with this other person. This is also a reuniting of Denzel with another person. And Denzel also reunited with this person. There's like, there's like four or five of them on there. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you want to see some, some fun shit on a movie set? Uh, check out any uh, behind-the-scenes or commentary from uh, an Antoine Fuqua movie with Denzel in it. Mm. Because the two of them, they yeah, they make movies, but I think it's just an excuse for them to just shoot the breeze because mm. <laughs> they have fun. <laughs> like they're just they have a great time just hanging out. Um, but yeah, we get to the hearing and Ellen Block starts carrying out things, and uh, we watch footage of the crash um, shot from a cell phone, or at least shot to look like it was shot on a cell phone. Um, 
And then we also get a computer simulation of, of the rolling of the plane um, with the audio from the flight recorder playing over it. And uh, then we start questioning Denzel, and uh, he asserts that the role was carried out on instinct. Because she, she asks him, like, why on earth did you think to do that with your commercial air- airplane? It's like, uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> like, no reason. In other, words, in other words, you don't know. But, you know, at that point, it's like, I buy that. Because it's like, it is a catastrophic failure. Any move you make has some potential to make it better. Mm. <laughs> it also, you know, like, if, if the end result is 100% going to be bad, anything you do to prevent that is an effort made. So it's like, there's no bad moves to make because uh, if you do nothing, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, everybody in the crowd, and I'm, not, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do this, they applaud at the mention of his deeds during the uh, controlled crash. Um, yeah, pretty sure you're not supposed to do that in a legal proceeding but uh and then we have a weird instance of blocking where her projector fails so she steps i think that was meant i think that was meant to like uh, broaden like the emotional intensity of it somehow by having her like physically closer to him and like questioning him more directly as opposed to like way back behind that table seated with everyone else yeah i think you're right like like having her stand much closer to him just looks better on film Mm mm-hmm but the way that she gets there just feels weird. It's an extra beat that just doesn't need to be there. I thought maybe like the it it was saying something about like the machinery just wasn't working for whatever reason and she still has to do her job and maybe that was like could that's be. like what he had to do more or less. I don't know. No, I mean that's I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're you're not wrong. Um but this is where it's revealed exactly what happened to the plane and there's a component called a jack screw that apparently missed a maintenance check and it led to a catastrophic fla- failure which uh pretty much should have guaranteed the death of everyone on board. Mm-hmm. Um but then the investigation quickly turns to an interrogation. Um and then Ellen Block asks Whip uh did you drink on any of the days leading up to the crash? Like three days in advance, basically. And uh, he keeps uh, he keeps answering no. And uh, she also asks, like, if he's ever had problem with drinking of any sort. And he's like, no. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> um, but then she gets to the bottles of vodka that were discovered in the trash receptacle on the plane. And uh, she also brings up on her PowerPoint like portraits of all the all the crew members, so she makes it known that the only people who could have potentially had access to the liquor on board were the crew members. And she's like, one of these toxicology reports, I'm not going to specify which one, has been thrown out, which leaves us with these crew members, um, and we only have like one other person that we can prove based on their blood testing had any alcohol. And so all sign all signs point to Trina. And conveniently, we have her photo, like, big up on the projector screen while this is all happening. And uh, we keep cutting back and forth between her portrait and Denzel's face as uh, as we're being questioned about Trina. And he denies knowing that she had a drinking problem or that she had, like, sponsored rehab from the union, like, only a year ago. Um. Man, I noted that like Denzel really does look like crap in this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Like he is sweaty and puffy and just looks like garbage. Um, 
And then finally, when he's asked about like if he does, he think Trina drank during the flight. Uh, this is where he starts getting kind of wishy-washy and won't answer. Um, and w- what did you think about his ultimate confession here, Kyle? Um, I don't think he would have done. I don't think he would have confessed here. Uh, he he made it this far. He literally had to tell one more lie. And if he's drunk and high right now, totally would. He, I mean, he's fucked up right now. <laughs> uh, I I don't see him actually doing it. Um, but I guess the weight of everything that like this is the moment where the weight of everything is crashed, like like crushing him, and. Uh, I guess it just I guess it he just needed to finally get it off his chest. He's like yeah, God help me. He's like, yeah, I drank the vodka. Um which was mm-hmm. crazy stupid. I would have waited and been cleared and then sought treatment afterwards. <laughs> personally. Um yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. It doesn't seem terribly logical, but from a storytelling standpoint, it's it's a powerful moment. Um I did like that they also roped Trina into things. Where it's never explicitly stated, but you can tell just based on his his facial acting, like just his body language and stuff, that she's a sensitive subject for him. Because mm-hmm. he was noticeably upset when he learned that she died, and now he has a situation where, oh yeah, and by the way, he he didn't go into her funeral because he was he felt uncomfortable there. Yeah. Um, and now we have her portrait very much like the funeral, exactly like the funeral, in fact, with her portrait hanging up during this hearing. And she comes up, and it's a situation where in order to in order to get himself out of this, not only does he have to lie about himself, he also has to condemn another person whom he seems to have a lot of feelings for. Mm-hmm. And I think that contributes a lot to it, where it's like, you know, I can't, I can't shit all over her, her reputation post-mortem like that's just too much um but yeah god help me and uh, i drank the vodka and trina marquez did not drink the vodka because i drank the vodka and he's like it's kind of like he he, it's like a kid that just got a new toy where it's like you know that feels good Mm -hmm. i think i'll just keep saying it (laughs) and i did like that bruce greenwood hops up out of his chair and he's like i object (laughs) and it's like this is in a courtroom. It's not that kind of legal proceedings. Well, I object. Anyway. I object anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's very silly, but it's funny. Um, but yeah, uh, cameras start flashing all over all over Whip's face as he's confessing to having been drunk the entire week, and in fact being drunk right now. And he even like hammers the point home and uses the phrase because I'm an alcoholic. So this is him essentially attending his first AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a uh, single tear streams down from his face, and we do a slow motion push in on his like his eye line. Um, and then the camera slowly rotates around him when we do a like mid camera move transition to him in a different place and time, and it transitions to him in prison, continuing the story that he's telling as he's giving his confession initially uh, to a bunch of uh, prison inmates. So he has, in fact, gone to prison. And we learned that he's been there for 13 months, and that he's got at least four to five more years to go. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to make amends to everybody, uh, er- all the families that lost people on the flight, and uh, also, like, all the people that tried to help him along the line, like, down the line. So, like, that would include Nikki and, like, his ex-wife and his son and stuff. Um, and he thanks God for his sobriety. Mm-hmm. And then the conclusion of the film is... Uh, 
him well we see that he has photos of himself with with Nikki like visiting him in prison so I guess he maintained that relationship to some extent um but yeah he gets a visit from his son who was told by his like college counselor to interview him and uh, he has a report that he wants him to do an essay uh, the most fascinating person that I've never met and the closing lines of the film are his son asking him so who are you and Denzel replies with that's a good question and we hear the sound of an airplane passing overhead and then we end with the lovely piano music and that is flight (laughs) yeah this was a weird one kyle not gonna lie i was very hesitant to select this movie because Mm -hmm. i don't know i had a feeling right out the gate that you would absolutely despise it (laughs) i don't despise it no it was i guess the message is um through AA, you can change your life. Um, brought to you by Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what I got from the movie. Um, I mean, it's a kind of a, a shallow. It's it's kind of a shallow and um, portrayal of an alcoholic. We don't really. He doesn't. There's not really a bad part to it. He's just. It's just an instance of an alcoholic in a tough situation. Like we're not really diving deep into like wow this is like really the effects of it. it's like we don't really know what caused his wife to be estranged like why um why does he drink is it just because of that is he just always been a drinker i just feel like it was kind of it was just very surface level like not it wasn't very deep um which makes me question like well what was the point of the movie was this just a pro aa movie for robert zemeckis i, I don't think it is hmm. um i I, when I think of this movie, um, when I, I was talking about this movie with someone the other day, and the way I described it to them had nothing to do with, with alcoholism or recovery or anything like that. Like I, All I told them about was um, there's a really horrible incident and then, and then a situation where somebody is continually running away from a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what fascinates me about it. That's what I find very watchable is that it has nothing it has very little to do with drinking or the morals i think are the weakest part of this movie mm-hmm. um any attempt to like moralize or like hammer home like a like a overarching point i think is, is where it gets really flimsy and muddled like you said it's brought to you by budweiser mm-hmm. um <laughs> what what i like about it is just the idea of a character who keeps fucking up isn't being punished for his fuck ups. Mm-hmm. It's like, like he, so at he every turn, himself, he's yeah. exactly. He, at every turn, he, he is self-sabotaging, not seemingly intentionally in some ways, mm-hmm. like his attitude about things. It seems like he, he knows he's doing the wrong thing all the time. Um, but you know, the filmmaker decides to stick with him and like force us to watch this guy make really bad choices. And, I don't know, I find that very fascinating to just watch a guy who's continually running away from problems with the expectation that he will pay for them, but it's not until he falls on the cross, essentially, and until he, like, allows it un- allows it to hit him mm-hmm. that it finally does. But until then, he's very protected, like, to an absurd degree. Yeah. Like, the, the, the hoops that Bruce Greenwood and Don Cheadle jump through to protect this guy, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that fascinating. Um, I think that's, I think like self-destructive characters are always interesting. Um, but it's very rare that you have like a character that has a support system in, 
in place to allow them to be self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, what was it? It's a bad example, but there was a Sarah Silverman movie. I think it was like similar title to that Joaquin Phoenix movie where it's like, I'm not really there or something. Mm-hmm. It's just about like a, a bored housewife who does really fucked up shit. Um, basically because she can mm. and and makes a lot of really bad choices and barely holds it together from day to day um, but it's just that's her lot in life she's in a situation where she can afford to make those those poor choices um, okay. so she's continually riding a line and that's definitely Denzel's character to a T um, but yeah this was a weird choice for me I mostly I just wanted to do something different because the other front runner for my selection this week was uh blood sport mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i feel like doing a whole month of van damme or like you had suggested van damme and seagal or van damme versus seagal mm-hmm. would be way more fun and way better yeah so we will do blood sport just not this week i guess but and then the other one was uh, md geist which my my concern about that is that it is it is objectively horrible mm-hmm. like, like it is it is really bad and it's it's animation too so it's like doubly disappointing where you're watching it and you're just like oh my god there's no value to this whatsoever <laughs> it's like you just did not give a fuck did you <laughs> but so that may have been fun for like a you know for the lols as the kids say where it's like you know this is terrible let's laugh at it mm-hmm. but you know i just wanted to try something different i don't think i'm gonna do this again <laughs> like i don't think i'm gonna pick a movie that i feel this way about again because I can acknowledge that I don't like it 100%. I just find it very watchable for some reason. Mm. Um, anyway, Kyle, let's let's do our grand reveal. What what are we covering next week? We've been keeping it under wraps. Joel Schumacher's <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire. And I think I'm super excited to, to talk about it, but I think you and I are both just super excited to rewatch it. Uh, it is It is just a delight. <laughs> It's gonna. Be, oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, when I was first getting to know Kyle, this was one of the first movies he made me watch, Oof. and I was very thankful for that yeah. uh, because holy shit, uh, it is problematic, but in the best possible ways. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm super excited. Like, no joke. Saint Elmo's Fire is entirely the reason we did guilty pleasures for an entire month. More it's or just less, to yeah. lead up to it. So. Main event next week. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Until next time.